All right, folks. We all know that one of the most common mishaps in hunting is damage to your rifle scope. Last year, I found the solution to that problem with the Stealthy Hunter rifle cover. It wraps around your scope and action securely to protect it from getting knocked off of zero or even severely damaged. Stealthy Hunter also has a glassing pad and a wide variety of supplements for the outdoorsman, such as protein powder, CBD products, turmeric, and gut health supplements. They also make a lightweight trauma kit weighing in at just 14 ounces that includes everything you need and nothing you don't for all of your backcountry medical emergencies. To shop all of their equipment and supplements, go to StealthyHunter.com and enter the discount code at checkout, The Northern Hunter, to save on your order today. All Stealthy Hunter equipment is proudly made in the USA. You're listening to the Northern Hunter Podcast, home of all things hunting, fishing, and outdoors in Alaska. All right, everybody, welcome in to episode two of the Northern Hunter Podcast. My name is James Payne. I am here with uh, Dalton. And How you doing? Hi. Right. All right. And hey, before we get going on this, I just want to say thank you to everybody that's been uh, checking out our socials and listening to the podcast episode one and the the trailer going out there. It's been we're Really awesome seeing some reaction from you folks and getting some interaction on the, the Instagram, the Facebook. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, keep it out. Uh, I'm really excited for this episode we got coming up for you. So, um, yeah, we're just going to dive right into this. So, how you guys, uh, how you guys been this week? I've been well. I've been doing quite well. Good. We've got some, uh, a little bit of snow beginning of the week. Got to sit in the plow truck for like five hours one morning, which is <laughs> yeah. very, um, you realize all those, you know, all those muscles that you usually exercise first thing in the morning, they just get really stiff. Yep. Especially from, when you just sit there with your arm the in the air, one yeah. arm in the air, other arm holding the control, you know, foot yep. on the pedal, and then your your head's uh-huh. going back and forth. You're just cranking your neck anyhow. <laughs> Did you guys get any more snow out where you live compared to where I live? Uh, always. Yeah. yeah. Always get more snow at my house. I don't know what it is. If my parents get two inches, I get three. If we get, you know, four inches here where we're recording, I'll get six. It really hasn't been too bad where I'm at, but, um, I mean, at least we haven't got a snowmageddon like yet i should say like last year very nice well i uh i read a very interesting article um this week that i wanted to kind of bring up um this is on ktoo's website again uh, we've talked about them on the last episode or i guess on the next episode the next episode that we recorded right. before this episode that's right yeah <laughs> pre-recordings i got confused uh, th- this was from earlier in the month of november here uh this is from yareth rosen on the alaska beacon um apologies if he said that name wrong he did not intend to yeah yeah, Yeah. anyway the the, but the title caught my attention uh western arctic caribou herd decline continues bringing population to a third of its peak size oh wow so they uh they the western arctic caribou herd is down to 164,000 animals a decline of 24,000 from the population count last year and roughly a third of the peak herd populations that reached in the early 2000s according to the studies so no the number that I'm coming up with at the end of the article, the decline of the Western Arctic herd may leave the porcupine caribou herd, which has a range that straddles northeastern Alaska and northwestern Canada as the state's largest. The most recent count conducted in 2017 put that herd population between 202,000 and 235,000 animals. 
The porcupine herd has long been the center of another development controversy, long-proposed oil drilling in the coastal plain of the National uh, Arctic National Wildlife Refuge. That coastal plain is the heart of the herd's calving grounds. So for those of you that aren't necessarily familiar with that, um, there's been a lot of debate about the porcupine herd mm-hmm. in that part of the state and about whether or not for years. oil companies should should um, drill for new uh, for new oil exploration out in that area. And it's because they have mm-hmm. theories about pipeline access going through there and roads diverting migration patterns and yeah. and you know that, that there's a whole lot of discrepancies that we we won't dive off into right now but just an interesting thing to hear and a lot of the studies with the western arctic herd that's on the decline right now is not necessarily hunting pressure no it's not yeah. you know and and there is no oil exploration necessarily in in as big of a way as there is in the northeastern part of the state mm-hmm. so that's not necessarily yeah. at play but they estimate that it's overgrazing and a lack of rejuvenation of their of their feed, mm. and that's really interesting. And how over the years, if you go back and read articles about, if you go back and read articles about previous uh, times in Alaska's history, when Alaska was first coming around to statehood, yeah, there were caribou herds everywhere, mm-hmm. everywhere. Okay? Yeah, and then they dropped off, and then they yep. came back. So that, that there's this huge swing in these cycles mm-hmm. of these caribou herd numbers, and it's just something really interesting. And how uh, it, 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 the, my takeaway from it is, don't get too wrapped up in the numbers, because given a little bit of time, they're going to come back. Yeah, you know. Um, the, the, so overgrazing and harsh winters—that's the only thing that yeah. they've. They, yeah, huh. they they pretty much attribute it to a lack of food for mm-hmm. overgrazing, and then yeah. you know, predators come in and have their way, and that's that, and they they go on the decline for a few years and they bounce back. We've seen that with the forty-mile herd. Yeah, um, yeah. That, that, that's that's the one that is right. local to us in our yeah. area, pretty accessible. So local to a lot of pretty much all, right? From right. you know, Toke all the way up, accessible through, yeah. by Delta and Toke yeah. and that that part of the state there. But that herd we have watched, and right now it is in what a lot of people consider to be a decline. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, yeah. something interesting. Is that going to affect opportunities for? Not as of yet. Okay. Uh, th- th- yeah. They're they're not they're not necessarily talking about limiting hunting opportunities and just kind and of an whatnot. observation. Yeah, yeah. it's not it's, as easy of an access location. No, sure. no, no, no. But but for subsistence, you know, if there's mm-hmm. subsistence opportunities right. up there, I mean, that, that that's the last that thing part limit, of the state you know. is. You know, what, what we're talking about Kotzebue, mm-hmm. that part right. of the state out yeah. west there, and then all the way uh, down to the southern region as well of mm. the of the western part of the state. So most of that area is either village access or you're flying in hmm. that's on, which much the only which way means to, you're going to fly in either right, way right, to the village right, or to right, the, yeah. the most the of the fly-in hunts in that area are either residents with planes which there aren't a ton of those right that's not going to make a population difference necessarily but mm. there are also outfitters and and uh, transports that go in there hmm. for non-residents so all right anyway well, something to keep an eye on yeah i'd be interested to see what what happens with that in the future going forward we might have to keep it keep an eye on that story yeah, absolutely see what kind of developments happen yeah all right, so we are joined with a very special guest here today for, for this episode. Um, a lot of you guys may have seen on uh, Facebook circulating and other social medias, Instagram, uh, of a guy that found himself in a situation with a uh, coastal brown bear that a lot of us hope we never end up in and uh, handled it in a very interesting way. <laughs> so um, the man's name is Clint Adams. He's the, the man with the, the ice axe and the brown bear. So uh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> welcome. glad to be here with you guys. 
Yeah, welcome to the show, man. So, ah, thank you. Yeah, how you doing today? <laughs> doing well, doing well. Pretty, pretty crazy story. You know, almost happened a month ago to the date. So, yeah, I'm glad to be able to be join you guys and talk about the situation and and hopefully just put some educational information out there and you know see what people can learn from the situation. So if they're ever faced with that, you know, it turns out in my same fortune. Honestly, yeah, yeah. yeah. that's awesome. Absolutely, man. Yeah. So, uh, so tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, what you do, uh, kind of your background in hunting. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm from Utah, um, born and raised here. I grew up in a small town in the South, uh, East corner of the state called Monticello. So it's a town of 2000 people. My dad was a cattle rancher <laughs> okay. growing up. So we, we had a ranch out in uh, Southwest Colorado. So I grew up hunting and guiding elk and deer, um, ever since I was 13, 14 years old, um, mm -hmm. and then took a break from hunting, really got focused on sports and, uh, okay. basketball, football, did that a little bit up until junior college, played a year of junior college, uh, football and basketball, um, and then got busy in the workforce and mm -hmm. didn't really start picking up hunting again until, I don't know, maybe seven, eight years ago. And then yeah. been able to dive just head first and done a lot, a lot of yeah. cool hunts. Like we, so professionally, we we run a, a call center. So we're a BPO outsource provider here here in Utah. Okay. Uh, we we were growing a lot in the last couple of years, uh, and it's been a great business, and um, it's allowed me the opportunity to be able to work from home, and which allows me to to go out and pursue my passion of, of hunting. So I've been able to do a lot of hunts the last two or three years, sheep hunts, moose hunts, odd ad mm -hmm. hunts, and then obviously here in Utah and Colorado, a lot of elk and deer and type hunts. So that, that's kind of my background. Been been in the woods a lot. Love it. Uh, spend as much time as I can there. Yeah. I, I'm a big archery hunter, but also I, I shoot long range competitions. So I don't know if it's okay. part of Precision Rifle Series yep. or, yep. or the National Rifle League and the NRL Hunter. Um, I got into that heavy as a hobby. And nice. uh, it's honestly made hunting, you know, seem seem kind of unfair with when you have that kind of precision. <laughs> those kind of rifles, you know, three four hundred yard shots seem yeah. pretty easy now. Yeah. So anyway, we can talk about that later. But you know, long range shooting didn't help any in this type of situation. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> right. There you go. It's kind of the opposite of long range, I guess. Yeah. Right. But... Oh, exactly. Close quarters. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not a lot of yeah. time to think and react and read wind. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. There you go. Right on. Yeah, man. that's a little bit about me. Cool. So, I, 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 this is Dalton here. I was just going to interject here and ask you, uh, can you tell us a little bit about a, any previous Alaska hunts that you've been on? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, last year was my first time in in in, in Alaska. And, and that was 2021? Uh, 2021. And I, I was looking, I, I've always wanted to come to Alaska. I think as any Western hunter in the States, mm -hmm. you know, that's kind of the pinnacle of hunting is, is Alaska. Um, and I met in a, an awesome guide actually on a South Dakota archery spot stock deer hunt. He was, he was guiding there was during the era of COVID. So he's, he's been guiding the last 25 years. So he came out to South Dakota just to kind of help during that COVID year. So I met him and, and I ended up booking a hunt. He, he's, he said, come out to my bear camp. You know, you have a 10 year old son. I'd love to have you guys out. And I said, well, if I'm coming to Alaska, I want to get a moose. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I might get doll sheep. <laughs> and so we ended up booking a moose hunt with them. And, and on that hunt, we first night got a amazing, amazing bull moose. Um, after three days of a grueling, just crazy pack out of that moose, mm -hmm. uh -huh. we uh, we got a black bear the next day that was feeding up on the blueberry hills. 
Um, the next day after that, sitting in, in camp thinking of what we're going to do, we class up and see an amazing caribou, you know, 1,800 feet above us at the top of the mountains where the doll sheep should be. So we went up after that and got that uh, got that caribou. So anyway, that, that was my first trip to Alaska. I, then I went again August um, with the same guy and got a doll sheep. And that awesome. was that's an awesome. absolute grind. The weather was terrible this year, so <clears throat> right. I was 13 days in the backcountry, and that'll test every aspect of what you guys want to in that kind of weather. Right. I mean, eight days staring at the roof of your tent, you know, you get delirious. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. So, so that, on, that's, that's my Alaska experience. Okay. So on any previous Alaska hunts, have you had any bear encounters up close at all? No, and I, and I think that's kind of what hurt me on this specific you know (laughs) i was i was very prepared and very aware on those other two hunts to encounter mountain grizzlies in this area Mm -hmm. yeah and i had a tag in my pocket for him was expecting to harvest one but the first hunt i didn't even see a grizzly yeah uh, much less an encounter one the second hunt on the doll sheep hunt hiking up i i saw one about 600 yards away um beautiful day hiking in on the opener and uh you know, we were focused on doll sheep, so I, I wasn't too too worried about that grizzly or getting one. I, I wanted to get one. I had a tag in my pocket, but mm-hmm. that was kind of the second uh, option for us. Um, yeah. So that that was the only grizzly that I'd seen in Alaska in my previous two hunts. And so coming down to, you know, the Baranoff area, that was my mindset of like, oh, I know there's brown bears here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. After being there, you know, you gain a whole nother respect that. Baranoff was completely different than yeah. Yeah. I was hunting on my previous hunts. And and I didn't realize that as a as a newbie to hunting mm-hmm. in, in Baranoff on the coast. So yep. yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So with uh with bears specifically as the as the main topic of our discussion here, um, what preparations did you sort of take? Um did, did you change anything going from your first two hunts? I know you said that you were kind of uh, trying to expect a bear encounter on your first two hunts, and then that mm-hmm. kind of went away on your last one. Did you detract any kind of bear deterrent on this last trip, or was it just kind of the same thing? Do you carry a handgun or bear spray, or what's your usual uh, um, method of bear protection? Um, had had a handgun on my first first uh trip and it was a stationary hunt you know in moose camp yeah you're not moving camp a lot so so i had i had a handgun um on the on the goat hunt or excuse me on the doll sheep hunt i did Mm -hmm. not um and and i i'll be honest i I really think those first two experiences with not having uh any encounters grizzly i Mm kind of i laid on my laurel you know whatever that saying is Uh (laughs) rest on your laurels Um, yeah I did not come prepared like I should have for this, uh, for the type of hunting that, that Baranoff, um, yeah. presents. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so absolutely did. I did not have bear spray on me. Um, and, uh, we had a handgun in the party. I did not have one on me. Um, and so, yeah, I, I mean, we had bear whistles, we had other stuff, but, uh, frankly, to be honest, you know, when you're hiking through this kind of country, mm-hmm. we we should have been a lot more aware of making noise, you know, mm-hmm. letting any potential bears that are on our path know that we were there. 
you know, we were more of the mindset, okay, we're getting close to where the goats are. Let's, let's be quiet. Let's hike through this, Yeah. you know, which yeah. hindsight, you know, we weren't up to where the goats were yet. We could have been a little bit more loud. And I think that would have changed this situation. But again, hindsight's 2020, you yep. know, and a yep. lot of people can Monday morning quarterback it. Yep. I, I do it yeah. myself on this, but yeah. So to answer so, your question, what wasn't prepared like I should have been for this particular environment, hunting environment. Okay, so just so folks get an idea of what we're talking about as far as this particular goat hunt is concerned, okay? Um, no. This is not a hunt where you're camping up top above Alpine. This is a hunt where you're making multiple ascents from sea to summit all the way from saltwater up to the peaks. Is that correct? Uh, kind of. I think it's a happy medium between that. I mean, we, we took a skiff across the bay, uh -huh. then hiked rafts to a lake, you know, inflated that raft threw an outboard on it outboard motor took a 30-minute ride across the lake and then you hike up through really all the thick 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 and right. steep mm -hmm. just right. wet tundra yeah. and then we pitched camp you know up you know maybe five eight hundred vertical feet below where where the goats would be okay and so our yeah. plan was to ascend from that kind of three-quarter yeah. mountain yeah camp up to the goats for okay the next yeah two or three days okay long. And did you guys encounter any, like, in in the distance, maybe see any while you were getting into camp or on your way there? Uh, brown bears? Yeah, yeah. No, no, not at all. I mean, as we get into <laughs> the story, afterwards, <laughs> I saw the biggest brown bear. And I didn't know they existed that kind of size. That This was after the attack. Oh, yeah. Um, after the charge. So, talk about that, but... I, Cause, saw a prehistoric size looked like a dinosaur to me but he was right. up in the in the tundra where the goats yeah. live on above tree line yeah and and it was and, pretty crazy to see and, that big of a bear up there and how different was that because there's no there's no grizzly in utah area correct oh no I mean, so growing no, up you probably so, didn't even so have you to talk think about, about that. you think about like you know there's a lot of steep mountains mm -hmm. uh, a lot of rugged country in utah um you know two years ago i killed a you know almost a 450 pound black bear in yeah. Utah, so so it you know almost uh open young uh, bear here, but it's nothing like yeah. <laughs> brown bear yeah. you encounter there in Alaska. So so you're not that worried. I know there's been some crazy videos of cougars, yeah, mm -hmm. you know, in Utah and Idaho recently, stalking hunters. You know, I had that experience as a 16 year old in Colorado with one of my hunters. A cougar was stalking him, and he ended up shooting it. But you know, cougars <laughs> and grizzlies. I think it's a little different story there too. But um. Uh, no, no grizzlies in Utah, and mm -hmm. I haven't really had to worry too much about them other than, um, yeah, my last. Yeah. So, so, like mentally, what would how did how did you prepare for hunting in an area that has a, a higher density of those things, or did you? Did... <laughs> <laughs> I honestly probably you know not well enough. Like yeah. Yeah, I think that is a very good takeaway and a corrective action plan. Like we like to use in my in my profession. Yeah, <laughs> that that is definitely a you know scope out prepare more where you're going to go understand more what mm -hmm. the terrain is going to be like yeah. how dense it is so that you can you can prepare whether that's a pistol a you know bear spray you know carrying your rifle on the we'll, we'll talk about some of these things but yeah i i think yeah. knowing exactly what terrain because my other alaska hunts versus the scouse hunt completely different and, and yeah. i prepare for them differently for the the grizzly or brown bear encounter yeah. Well, and, and I can attest too. I mean, it's really easy. You know, we live in the interior of Alaska here, Fairbanks, and um, mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of times. Even if you are a hunter that gets out in the woods, like you can chase caribou out in the mountains and go look for moose. And you know, the bears are a lot more spread out here 
than they are on the coast. And it, right. it's easy to get complacent. I mean, you can go chase caribou for a week and not see one, mm-hmm. you know, and then, you know, one day you wake up and pop your head out of your tent and there's one right outside. Yeah. You know, yeah. and so it's, it's really easy to, to kind of get even out of that mindset if you live here in the right. interior yeah. too. And so. Right. Um, 100%. And kind of hearing the stories afterwards, you, you know, you're sitting in the local pub or restaurant talking to people afterwards. <laughs> the the brown bears there in, in Berna, I mean, they're thick. And there's yeah. a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I didn't realize that. I, I didn't realize how densely populated that, that island is with the with brown bears. I, yeah. th- I think it's one of the most densely populated regions isn't it as far as brown it is go? so i i actually just looked this up to confirm it so baranoff island is about 1650 square miles and the estimated estimated population of brown bears is 1600 brown bears yeah yeah i think it was like 3.8 per square mile or something like that yeah so there yeah, so i mean your chance of running into one like i'm pretty good like, well, yeah i yeah. hiked all over <laughs> yeah. you know up in, right. in northern yeah. alaska yeah. On, on, on these hunts and haven't seen one but... right Right. You know, you hike two or three miles in, in this area and your chances of running across one are dang good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, wow. and, and, and so a lot of folks don't realize that hunting in the interior, you have so much more visibility and so much more open right. country. Right. And there's a whole lot more area for them to cover to find their next meal. Down there, that vegetation is so thick and heavy, their next meal could be right around the next tree 30 yards away. So for mm-hmm. the most part, you know that they they're not moving all that much, and even if they are, you can't see them anyway. And you're constantly traipsing through that deadfall and that uh, that blowdown in those uh, in those you know rainforest environments. It's extremely thick, and oftentimes you don't have if you're in the trees and it's not even all that thick of underbrush. Your visibility is still only 60 yards. And that's when it's good. You know, most of the time you're not able to see anything in the in the vegetation more than 30 or 40 yards at a time until you break out into that subalpine environment and you get up into those musk eggs. And that's where you start to see those alpine deer and then the goats up above that. Correct. So. Yep. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. And, and we were, I don't know, under a half a mile from breaking up you know, above the, the subalpine getting, get above tree line into those muskag. Yeah. You know, uh, we were past the thickest and steepest stuff. So, so day one, you know, we hike up and it, it's just straight vertical. Thus why we have ice axe. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. Yeah. The, 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 the guy we were with, you know, he gave us all ice axe. I I'm used to taking trekking poles Yeah. and mm-hmm. I've read different things about ice axe. Cause I'm, I'm tall. I'm six, six. So you know, ice axe isn't quite giving me the leverage I, I, I need typically. Yeah. But but on this one, it was a very, very apparent. I mean, you're swinging that thing straight above your head, sticking it into the ground, pulling yourself up. Just yep. unbelievably yeah. thick and steep and wet terrain. Yep. Yeah. Um, and so that's why we had those the <laughs> those ice axes. And, and that's why I had my, my gun. I, I had it on my shoulder to start mm-hmm. with a very good sling you know i said i, I had the history of shooting rifle competitions we sling up we do all kinds of different stuff and so i had a very good sling and i had that rifle on my shoulder and then climbing through some of the stuff i mean it's falling off my shoulder it's getting in my way it's hitting me i'm having to hold it while you're trying to climb up this this vertical steep thick country and frankly you know after half a mile of that stuff i'm like i can't do this anymore with my rifle here i gotta right. throw it on my back so i can get up this thing. yeah <laughs> right right and you know is that the right choice uh, obviously you know probably not yeah <laughs> but but yeah I'm, I'm 
my barrel's hitting the, uh, the, the mountain as I'm climbing, you know, so I, I got frustrated enough to the point where like, okay, I got to use both hands. I, I can't have this rifle kind of moving and, and sliding on me a little bit. So, um, and that's something that you have to be careful that you don't want to be knocking your rifle around so much that you risk right. compromising your uh, yep, your, your ability to shoot a longer shot. You know, if you bump that scope the wrong way, I mean, you know this as well as any of us do, but a compromised scope is a compromised entire system. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's part of the reason why you're looking to protect that at all costs, and that's why you made that choice to put it on your backpack. Well, and that wasn't Correct. a cheap setup anyway. <laughs> so. No, it's not a cheap setup, and I had a folder stock. Right. So I have a real stock that folds up. I have mm -hmm. a shorty barrel. It's an 18-inch barrel on it. Yeah. Shoot suppressed. I, I love hunting suppressed. Right, yeah. You know, with an encounter and a grizzly, I've, I've thought about that. Or brown bear, I'm like, hmm, you don't want a suppressor when you have an encounter with a, with a grizzly. You want all the noise you can, you can right. make. But for hunting, you know, doll sheep, anything, just hunting suppressed is, is amazing. For yeah. Me. And mm -hmm. so I have a suppressor Absolutely. on. So it, it's able to fit right on my backpack, nice and small. And, and anyway, it's really nice to hike with that way. But, you, you know, it's not ideal. You, you For one one uh, benefit, you you give up. You yeah, know, right. Uh, right. Uh, yeah. Which, which so, is the perk of having a sidearm, kind of, especially if you have a chest right. holster. You know, you, you still right. have access to firepower if you need it. But um, I was wondering after this encounter, have you looked into any of the like the quick release um, gunsling attachments that they have? I mean, it, you look in the market <sighs> these days, you've got like the FHF, and there's a couple other people making them where it's just kind of a clip to your pack kind of thing. You know, the funny thing is, is I, I'm I'm a gear snot. I love gear. Yeah. I have way too much of it. I have a closet. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I've had the guys, like, you should look in the Caparo gun bearer. And I'm like, I have it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, just don't one and I have two other. And so I'm like, you know, you can be educated. You can do the research uh, at the end of the day. Yeah, I, I, I should have had that Conforo gun bearer, you know, with the hip. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. Where your buddy, your gun goes in there and it's a quick release right on the shoulder. Yeah. Um, for sure. I have that. I'm educated yeah. on it. And then <laughs> at the end of the day, you got to use it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It doesn't do you any good in the closet. <laughs> right. 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 And I was like, well, I want, I want it ready. I, I had a good, it's a, it's a sling made of a little stretch material and it's supposed to not come off. So I actually did see one and I don't even know the name of it, but it kind of comes around your chest this way and then mm. has a quick release. So it really, I, I've seen the ads. Yeah. 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 Yep. I've seen that one as well. It's like well. a European company. I think it was putting that one. Uh -huh. out. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's nothing fancy, but it's just a little different design. Right. That's intriguing. Right. 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 It's, yeah. it's something you don't have, so you got to have it. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Exactly. yeah. <laughs> so tell us a little bit. So this was a, was this a draw tag hunt that you ended up going after these? No, goats, no, it's it over a, the counter. Over so the counter? Okay. actually on my doll sheep hunt, um, that guy up there, he works with, with a guy I went with down, down in Baranoff and, mm -hmm. uh, he's like, Hey, there's a cancellation hunt, you know, in October. I went August, uh, 8th through the 20th. So. At the end of that hunt, I got with him and said, "Hey, when's your hunt?" He said, "All right, you know, October what was it, 12th through the 17th, mm -hmm. and, and if you can make it, great." And uh, so I said, "Yeah, I actually have a grizzly tag, you know, a brown bear tag, locking tag that's unfulfilled, so I have the tag already. So yeah. save that thousand bucks for a non-resident. So yeah, let me come this year. I'll I'll make it happen and get down there. So yeah. okay. So one thing I just want to clarify for our listeners in Alaska, if you purchase a brown bear tag, okay, for a non-resident, the only 
uh, well, I, I guess I should say not the only, but the way that the Alaska non-resident tag system works for mm -hmm. over-the-counter is you have to purchase each individual tag. So, mm -hmm. like, say a caribou would be somewhere around 350 bucks. Yep. A black bear around the same cost. A moose, um, I believe a moose is 800 And then a brown bear slash grizzly tag is what we call the trump card in the guiding world. Yeah. That costs 1000 bucks. And in Alaska, if you're on a brown bear hunt, but you see, let's say that you're in the interior, okay, mm -hmm. and you're on a you're on a grizzly bear hunt. If you see a moose that you want to shoot, yeah, you can shoot that moose and put your brown bear tag on it yep. because the moose tag is of lesser value you, you than the brown bear tag. You can trade down. So what? Yeah. So what? Clint is talking about here for our for our listeners is he already had a leftover grizzly tag from his oh. sheep hunt, so he didn't have to purchase a mountain goat tag to come back up and go on this hunt. He could just use his brown bear tag on a mountain goat. Correct. So anyway. Okay. And then I just had to go get a harvest ticket. Correct. From the DNR mm -hmm. for the mountain goat. Right. Yeah. Right. I'd have a, I'd have a brown bear locking tag. Well. Correct. And so mm -hmm. the funny thing is too, I think we should mention is, you know, there the quota for brown bear, you know, had been reached on bear. So even though I had a brown bear tag, I can not oh, harvest yeah. a brown bear while hunting a mountain goat on bear. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, they That's did a couple of, yeah, they did a couple of shutdowns this year. Um, I know they shut down the Kenai Peninsula for for brown bear hunting pretty early. Um, and I, I think it, a lot of it had something to do with the sow to boar ratio of mm -hmm. kills. So, right. mm -hmm. um, yep. and the other thing interesting about that to educate people that that I've learned while doing this is, you know, there's there's a few species that you cannot hunt as a non-resident without a guide or next of kin, and mm -hmm. mountain goat, doll sheep, and brown bear. Yep. You know, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe those are the three that you yep. have to be, yep. you know, with a licensed guide or that's correct. Yep, that's, that's, a, that's, that's a correct. Yep, that's right. Well, well, I guess we can kind of get on to our next thing if you're ready for it. Yeah, that's kind of the meat. Jump right into this. Thing. That's kind of the meat <laughs> of our podcast today. So go ahead and uh, kind of give us a little bit of a background of how the hunt started, and then just walk us through it, and we'll ask questions as we go here. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So. You know, we spent a day and a half there in Sitka because of poor weather. I mean, it was just horrendous weather. Yeah. No visibility yeah. fog. And so on our first day of good good weather, we, we zipped across the lake and started hiking up. And, and we wanted to get up, up above the tree line that first day. Um, but with the, with the train, the, the, um, with how slippery and wet and thick it was, we, we pitched camp that first night. And we decided that's where our camp was going to be. Next morning, we go up and hunt all day. It was supposed to be a great day. Uh, that's when we were really planning to tag our tag our goat. Um, so we set up camp. Um, have a it rains on us all night long. We get up that next morning, and it's actually pretty clear. So so we get ready. We we start hiking away from camp, and and we're on a a pretty steep ridge line on either side. So it falls off pretty hard, and we're mm -hmm. hiking up this ridge line to get up above. Um, above tree line so there's really only one way to go there's no dropping down yeah. <laughs> i mean you're, you're going to lose elevation in the thickest gnarliest stuff it's just not an option so we're hiking the spine so not a lot of places to go you got maybe 10 or 15 yards to kind of pick your way through some of this thick underbrush you know some of some so we get about only 400 yards from camp mm -hmm. um and it's you know our our guide and then I actually brought my my girlfriend um, of 
about four months at the time. Oh. <laughs> She's not a big hunter. Uh, she she's so excited to wow. spend time with me and learn this and, and go on adventures. You know, loves working out. She she did the stair stepper every day two <laughs> yeah. months leading up to this hunt. She was so prepared. We got her all the cool gear and she did she did amazing. So she's right behind the guy. She's kicking my butt up the mountain. I'm about 10 yards back of them. And then I have my good friend back, and he has the 357 revolver uh, okay. from the guide on his chest. Okay. And he's about 20 yards back. He, he had some hip flexor issues, so he's like, hey, guys, just I'm going to be a little further back, but I'll, I'll make it up. He's, he's a stud. He's okay. been in the outdoors his entire life. So that's kind of the train of us going up this up this ridge. So we, we get to this narrow part where it thickens up. There's a big, big tree to the right here. And I remember the guy kind of grabs the tree with his right hand and pulls himself up. And then it was really, really thick brush. Mm -hmm. And, and he kind of steps up and it was steep up to a flat part. Um, and it was just, as soon as he stepped up, he just turned back and said, basically retreat, retreat, because that bear was within, he estimates eight to 10 feet mm -hmm. when, when that bear saw him. So, we think it was either napping, might have been on a deer down, I don't know, but probably asleep there, and we totally just completely startled. There was no time for him to do anything other than try to get his his gun off of his shoulder um, on that Barney's um, mm -hmm. that, that Barney's sportsly pack, yeah. and you know, so he's retreating backwards to yeah. get that gun off his shoulder. Mel, my girlfriend, runs by me. Yeah. the the funny thing is and then the first thought that i had is like oh my god i can't believe this has happened like yeah i knew what was happening i knew exactly what was happening and the i had my family i had my girlfriend's family say are you sure you want to do this are you sure like there's yeah. there's grizzlies there's brown bears <laughs> yeah like you're you're jumping into the deep end of hunting you know yeah. a mountain goat hunt that's that's as hardcore and as intense as it gets yeah yeah and uh and and she was ready and I was ready and you don't think that that's gonna happen. So when when it's happening, all I could think about was her safety and and making sure she didn't get hurt. She has two boys, so much family, and I'm like, yeah, okay. like I I felt total responsibility of of having her in this situation. Uh huh. And so all I could think about is like I'm six six and 280 pounds. Mm -hmm. I have the best chance of maybe surviving or the least amount of damage with this bear. Okay. And so as, as they kind of run past me, I'm bracing, kind of ducking my left shoulder, have two hands on the ice axe because my gun is strapped to my backpack. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, well, I'm going to take this and, you know, then cover up. Um, you've yeah. read enough stories where, you know, your backpack and, and help, they, the bears will kind of pounce on you, try uh -huh. to break some rear, and then they go for your head. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, so I knew all that. And, and I don't even remember really reading this or, but. I don't know if it was just instincts or kind of grown up in the woods, but as I'm preparing to take that, that charge, the bear comes out of the, out of the thick brush and I see its eyes just completely locked on yeah. to the guide. Mm -hmm. And so I go from this to saying, he's not going to hit me. He's going after the guy. Yeah. And I, I, I thought it was a sow with cubs typically like that's, that's mm -hmm. what bears charge. They're protecting. And just for, for perspective, how many, how much time do you have to, to process all of these different things? Uh, in this your head? was a I mean, three seconds. Three seconds. Uh, two, yeah. three seconds. Yeah. You know? 
And it's amazing how many thoughts you have in those two or three seconds. Mm-hmm. But I go, oh, I can't believe this shit is happening. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I think of her, and then I think, hey, you just you take this. You got her in this situation. You don't want you or your buddy. Like, yeah. yeah. I want to take this if, if anybody has to. Yeah. Um, I'm a father of two kids, so maybe that plays into uh, like you always want you to be the one to get hurt, uh, not your loved ones. And and so protective protective instinct. He has his gun halfway off as he's kind of trying to trying to get prepared to to defend us, the Mm -hmm. guide. And as I see that bear, I'm just like, man, he is locked on that guy. And and now remember, they get tunnel vision when they're you know charging or attacking. And so I'm like, well, I got one swing. I got the size X in my hand. It's just kind (laughs) of instinctual. Like he's gonna run by me. What do you do? You just swing as hard as you can. And then that's all I did. I took a big swing with both hands and just put all of my weight and power and force, everything, tried to hit him right in the head. I knew hitting him in the shoulder or back or anything, I was not going to do anything. Mm-hmm. So I was like, man, if I can get this, I, I had thrown it enough into the dirt to see what that thing would go through. Right. Like, this yeah. Is pretty good. Cool. Like, I had actually had thoughts of, like, don't fall on this thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, so, so, anyway, I just, I remember swinging as hard as I could. And I felt it, you know, when you have an axe and you hit, and then you get a log good, and just look, that thing went up into the handle, like it stopped. And I'm like, oh, I, I got it. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I didn't know what to expect, you know, what it would do. I didn't think it would do much, honestly. And so I, I'm kind of looking for cubs, but but as I realized there's not any cubs, I, I kind of I turned back to look, and the guy that had run down a little down the hill of the apex of this ridge. And that bear just completely hits him in the back of that Barney's pack. Mm. And they both go tumbling. I, I don't think the bear was tumbling. He, he tumbles, the bear roll, runs over him. Uh, and, and he later says, like, yeah, I felt him trample over me. Wow. So he's on his back. He has his gun off of his backpack. It's 375 H&H. Three rounds in it. Uh, round chambered on safety, you know, like you should. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and now I'm sitting there without a weapon. Bears, I, I remember the bear kind of gets to the bottom of the hill where it flattened out. And uh, the guy is sitting there trying to get the gun off of his shoulder. And that bear's looking up at me, and the ice axe is hanging out of it. Literally <laughs> oh, hanging out of, it, out of it. That's amazing. Wow. <laughs> my, my buddy Matt behind us, he has some trees in his way. And he's like, I didn't know it was the ice axe. I thought it was like a stick or something. <laughs> wow. And so he's about 20 yards away, and that bear's kind of looking around looking up at me, sees me, and then as the guy's scrambling to get his rifle pointed at the bear, that bear completely just locks back onto him and mm. comes at him a second time. I'm sitting up there like, oh, I'm going to witness a mauling right here. Yeah. Mm. Yards mm-hmm. down from me. And as that bear gets up on its haunches to, to pounce on him, he, he gets that gun at least pointed straight up in the air and just fired a shot. Mm-hmm. That muzzle blast, I just distinctly remember that he had a muzzle brake on, a fully ported muzzle brake, and it hit that bear in the face and ruffled its fur back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so the sound and the blast hitting that bear in the face with that air. As it's standing over him. As it's a, it's a, it's a foot away. Yeah. Like it wow. literally was a foot away from, I, like, yeah. and I was just so happy to hear that bang and then see that bear retreat back. Mm-hmm. Retreated back to about 10 feet, kind of shook its head, gathered itself, came again at it. Wow, wow. And this time he's able to chamber around okay. and just point and aim, shoots again. 
at the time I'm up there, I didn't see him doing this. I thought it was another warning shot. Mm-hmm. Um, so he shoots that second time. Um, my buddy Matt from 20 yards again shoots two more times in its direction. We're not sure if he hit or what. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at that point, that blast and that gunshot, the bear retreats again back to the flat spot. And then it decides to loop around. So it kind of heads back up the ridge, starts climbing the, the, the little slope, and gets about even with me. The Isaac's still in its head at this point. <laughs> oh, my. And then it, it's probably about 30 <laughs> yards away. And it, okay. it, it, it was thinking of coming again, but it would take two steps and retreat, two steps mm-hmm. retreat. By this time, Matt's up equal with me. My girlfriend, Mel, is standing right next to me. The guy's still down there, you know, about 15 yards below us. But at this point, we're all standing up, making enough noise. I'm yelling at the guy. I'm like, kill it! Kill it! Because I thought he had done two warning shots. Okay. I didn't realize he had shot at it that second time in the heat of the moment. I didn't see that. Okay. I'm just screaming, kill it! Kill it! Like, I didn't know if he was trying to, like, avoid killing a bear or right. what. I, yeah. I literally thought he was shooting warning shots. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm thinking of our city. I'm like, kill it! Just kill it! Kill it! <laughs> like, I don't want that paper. So all that yelling and hooting and hollering. Bear, I think it decided okay. I, I had somebody post like, "Hey, I, I've heard there's no documented attacks on people uh, parties of three or more." I was like, "Well, there's four of us on this," but that bear didn't know that until it looped up around mm-hmm. and saw mm-hmm. three of us standing there together. Mm-hmm. So there may be yep. some validity to that because when he saw three of us and we were making all that noise, he definitely decided, "Okay, this, I don't want any part of this yep. anymore." Took off, kind of just straight away from us back up the the ridge wow at that point obviously throw off my backpack get my gun already round in the chamber <laughs> off safety you know scope back to one you know three power mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. so i'm ready to go <laughs> right uh the guide reloads those two more rounds in matt it's a five round revolver 357 throws in throws in rounds. So we're all loaded ready to go we go pick up the ice axe and then we retreat back about a hundred yards and we find it's, it's a bigger clearing where we have visibility, maybe 50 yards on each side of us. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where we kind of just regroup, uh, you know, talking about what we should do, what, what's happening at the time when we went to get the ice axe, I thought I heard the bear kind of back where he originally charged. Mm-hmm. I, could, I could hear a little bit. I wasn't sure, but so we kind of looped down, came back out on the ridge, got about a hundred yards away where we could see. And then, and, and and that fell out of his back or out of his neck when when, oh, he, when he turned yeah, around. Axe, when he decided to run and retreat, that's when the ice axe and I saw I saw it fall out and you right where yeah. it was. I, I don't think I hit it in the skull. I hit it right behind it. You know, if you're it's left ear, mm-hmm. kind of in that I don't know that cartilage mm-hmm. you know, yep. material as you're skinning any animal. Yeah. You, you kind of got that thick cartilage type. Yeah muscle cartilage type stuff right as it comes into the skull i think that's probably where i got i might have got it in the skull i'm not sure yeah Um, but well and and anybody that's that's skinned out a bear head i mean the the amount of fat and muscle surrounding that bone and any of those vitals is amazing i mean it's it's just so thick right right on the neck area there so right yeah they have giant necks so it's as long as it's stuck in its head without falling out makes me think you know that thing was buried in some solid Yep. you know flesh or material or something yeah um but you know if it was just in muscle and fat i think it would have fallen out faster yeah so i don't know uh super curious you know that's always <laughs> something i 
super curious where we hit that bear. Um, now, did you guys try you know, to blood trail it at all? or? So when we get into that meadow, we're sitting there like, what do we do? What do we do? Do we just go back to camp 300 yards and get off this mountain? Uh, do we continue on up? Do mm-hmm. we go find if it's dead, if it's wounded, whatever? We don't, we don't know. The guy thinks he hit it. I, I didn't see it. He's like, I had, I mean, 10 feet away. Did we hit it with the revolver? There's so many questions and so many things. And then when you when you've just gone through that, you know, it's easy to sit back and say, well, yeah, you obviously with, with that much adrenaline and your life flashing mm-hmm. before you and, and that kind of experience. And then to add, you you know, you have your girlfriend on the mountain. Mm-hmm. This is her very first hunt, first day on the mountain, <laughs> and this happens. Yeah. Her mind is this happens. Well, you guys are crazy. Why do you do this? This is the first. <laughs> this, is, this is my first day, and you guys do this. You guys are nuts. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, sweetie, you could hunt five lifetimes yeah. and never have this. Happen. Right. Yeah. 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 You could hunt five lifetimes, and, and so he's like, well, I don't believe it. it's one for one for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so I, so so legitimately, you know, I'm, you know, we're we're all processing it how we need to. She she's visibly shaken. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very, very nervous. I I'm nervous about her going into shock, honestly, a little yeah. bit. Yeah. So I'm trying to get her to talk. I'm like, hey, talk. And she's like, No, I, I don't I don't want to talk. I, like I want to be alert. I want to hear. It was more of like, I don't want to talk because I want to hear if the bear's coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was how she hyper alert. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And so I'm just super worried and concerned about her. Um, the guy that actually gets his binos out, so does Matt, my buddy Matt, and they're looking up, you know, up into to the above the tree line and the tundra up there, seeing if they see goats. We're trying to decide do we keep going, you know, because we know if we we come off that mountain, you know, it's bad weather, you know, we're probably not going to get a goat. <laughs> and so, as we're looking up there, they're like, "Oh, there's another bear," and that's when up there in the tundra, the top of the mountain. There's just this. I, I'm not the best at judging bears. Obviously, I haven't seen a lot of them. Mm-hmm. He looked like a 10 and a half, 11 foot bear. Just <laughs> I, looking at his belly and how far away it was from the ground, it was four and a half, five feet from the ground. Yep. He looked enormous up there. Mm-hmm. I've never seen a bear like this. So mm. he might have been a 10 foot. I don't know. But just seeing that, so we're sitting there. We got a bear that just charged us, that's wounded, at least has an ice axe. Maybe it was hit with 375. We don't know. Um, hundred yards up above us, up this ridge. That's the only way we can get up. We got that bear where we're trying to go at the very top. Yeah. We're just like, let's not press our luck. Yeah. And you know, we and we sat and talked. Like, do we go after this thing? Do we see if it's dead? But after you've just gone and had a brown bear charge you like that, you're like, that's kind of the last thing I want to do is go into the thick timber and potentially get charged again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, you got like um, you know, got out the first time. Or you get out the like, okay, it happened to me once, fool me once, go in and do it. So all those thoughts are going through. Um, and so we we decided to retreat, go back to camp. And that's where some of the pictures that, that are online. We, we took a picture at camp of us all sitting there eating a bagel ham sandwich before we packed up and got off that ridge back path. But yeah. So yeah, that's that's kind of the gist of the story there. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. And, and how's her feelings on uh, hunting going forward? <laughs> well, so the funny thing is, is we go down, we sleep in the hotel that night. We wake up at four thirty in the morning. You know, she had not committed to going with. She was kind of like, "Oh, well, see, I, I kind of knew she." So anyway, me, Matt, and the guy go up the next morning and climb up another mountain. 
just kill ourselves trying to get up this mountain <laughs> for the next two days while she hung out in town and mm-hmm. went and did some well watching and did some fun touristy things. Very nice. But she was worried and sick, sick for us. So when we finally showed back up, she felt a huge uh, sigh of relief. And the funny thing, when those airplane wheels, when we finally left, when they took off the ground from sick airport, it was just like all this stress and anxiety mm-hmm. and relief just left her body when we were finally. Oh, so, yeah. She wow. is so excited and happy to continue to hunt yep. in the, the lower 48. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I'll ever get her to hunt up in the last <laughs> Wow. Yeah, that's a crucible to go through on your very first hunt for sure. I mean, that's that crazy. <laughs> right? like, I just feel so. I'm like, okay, let's go do an antelope hunt in Wyoming. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. Let's get your feet wet that way. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I have a whole myriad of questions to start going over here. So let's yep. dive into a couple of those. Um, so I know you kind of briefly gave a little bit of detail about your surroundings of when this encounter happened, but paint me a really detailed picture of um, what type of terrain are we talking about that you guys were in? Because down in Southeast there, there are basically three types of terrain when you're talking about an ascent, okay? We're talking about uh, extremely thick vegetated undergrowth and deadfall and blowdown where your visibility is very, very low. And that's oftentimes what the steepest terrain is before you get up into your bouldery alpine, really, really high elevations where the goats are going to live. Okay. Both of those are really, really steep, but in between there, there's what we call muskegs. And uh, for folks that don't know what those look like, just just look up some photos. Actually, the, the, the photo online of you guys all kind of sitting in a line together, that is what we call muskeg. And there's, yep. there's sparsely uh, spaced trees and vegetation out in like a big dead grass field with puddles everywhere. Yep. And in some places, it's ankle-deep water, and in some places, it's hip-deep marsh. Mm-hmm. And so kind of tell me what, of those three types of terrain that's down there, what type of those three were you guys in when this encounter happened? You're, you're spot on. When we first ascended, it was that just deadfall, super thick, super steep, where you're going over, under, yeah. you know, all the deadfall. And it takes um, hours to go a mile and that stuff. Uh, yeah, totally. I, I mean, I think they want, well, and with the steepness, yeah. I mean, in a mile you're ascending. 2000 feet yeah <laughs> yeah yep. and yep. so it's real slow going yep um again with me too i could take a step and sink six inches yeah right stuff. so you know where we got up above and on the ridge we were right in between like what you're talking about that bouldery clear tundra where the goats live and the really steep deadfall we were right in that that thick muskag you know wet tundra it's just like what you described you know there could be puddles. It had been raining so much mm-hmm. the last you know, week before we got there. So you got you got a lot of puddles here, there, and, you, and you're hiking. And then it's there, that thick, you know, brushy cover that's about four, four and a half feet tall. Right. Um, that's and, just and that's, that's just widely spaced enough apart that you can get through it without having to bushwhack mm-hmm. at all. But there's just enough of it to hide a deer or a brown bear. Yep. That yep. at any point it could be 50 yep. yards or less away. And even if you and, and see here's here's the here's the the trickiness of that particular type of terrain in that muskeg, 
you feel like you have a sense of security in your visibility of your surroundings because you think, well, I can see everything now because you just broke out of that really thick undergrowth on your ascent and you think, man, ah, and you just kind of get this breath of fresh air. Yeah. I'm not bushwhacking yeah. anymore. It's not steep. I can see around me. But you don't know if 50 yards away, like you experienced, there could be a brown bear just just right around the corner in there. And it was a steep enough ridge where we were still gaining any elevation to where, and it was quiet enough because it had been raining. Mm. And, and, you know, we're, we're trying to be quiet because there could have been goats up in the basin up to our right, you know, a uh -huh. thousand feet above us. So we're, we're still trying to be quiet. Okay. And, and, and as we ascended up, it's just deep enough where you can't see up above you that far. Yeah. You do have that sense of, okay, I'm not in the thick, thick stuff. Right. But this bench where we came upon on this ridge, it it was just super thick in there. And like you said, four or five feet tall um undergrowth. Yeah. That's that's perfect for a bear to 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 take cover, take a nap or, yeah. or whatever. And so when when we came up into that flat spot, you know, that bear was was right there. And again, it we think it was no more than ten feet away from the guide when he when he crested that little peak of the ridge we're hiking up you know as it's kind mm -hmm. of a gradual sent up yeah i mean no more than 10 feet okay yeah so they're just That's turning cool. like to hear that roar and that growl of a, mm. of a brown bear that close mm -hmm. that before you see anything wear, wear your brown pants that day yeah what's that <laughs> to wear your brown yeah. pants that day <laughs> yeah so yeah. Like, and, and it's funny it's like well this is happening you can't right I, I, right i didn't have time to be scared or, yeah i don't know it was just Okay, this so is happening. I don't have anything other than take it. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about the spacing of you guys. So yeah. who was in the front? Who uh, who was in order? And and uh, how far apart were you guys? Was yep. it the guide and lead? So guides in the lead. Uh, my girlfriend's right on his six. You know, just a foot behind him. Okay. I am about four or five feet behind her. Mm -hmm. And then my buddy Matt is twenty yards behind. Okay. okay. And so Matt didn't even see right, any right. of this really okay. because of the thick trees and stuff. Yep. He knew what was happening, obviously, but he didn't see me even swing the axe. He didn't see the bear hit the guide. Again, he he saw as the bear came down to that flat spot and turned around. That's when he saw the bear. Mm. And that's when he saw they thought it was a stick hanging out of its head. Okay. So <laughs> so as the bear emerges, okay, as it comes over this little bit of a rise that you're talking about. You didn't see it right away because you were third in line. Okay, mm -hmm. so the first sure. thing, the first thing that you see in this, in in, in this uh, uh, progression, is the guide turning around, yelling yep. something, saying there's a bear, and then he's running. Correct. Uh, yeah, he's retreating back okay. out of the thick stuff because mm -hmm. it was a little more open where I right. was. Okay. Okay. And, and so, yeah, okay. his first instinct, so right or wrong, or I mean, you right, can, right, that was it, it's so close and so thick. Yes, this bear is going to be on me in two leaps. Mm, right. So right. yeah, oh, oh, run was his was his yeah. terminology, <laughs> which which I'm glad he did that. Yeah. I'm so glad, given the circumstances and the situation, that was the best thing he could have done. Mm, yeah. Because honestly, that bear in two steps. This, even if he has the gun in hand, it's on him. Yeah, yeah. exactly. On yeah. him, he's going to get his face killed. He's going to be hurt. Exactly. He has the 375. Yeah. Mm -hmm. My gun's on my backpack. Guy with the revolver's 10, 15 yards back. Yeah. 
you know, he, he has a gun. He needs to be the like, so even me, me in my mindset, I'm like, okay, if, if I'm the one that gets hit, he has the 375, he can get this barrel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, <laughs> so to definitely defend his choice and his decision, just to clarify for our listeners, he's the first one to see this brown bear. His instant in time live reaction is to turn and put distance between himself and give him just a little bit of a yep. buffer time to mm-hmm. get that rifle off of his pack and then shoot it immediately and turn around and face this thing. And uh, so I, I, I believe yes. that you said he already had around the chamber and, yep. you know, safety yep. on. Um, that is 100% common practice, you know, for folks that want to debate about having around the chamber or not. We're not going to get into that, and I don't care if you think you're right or wrong. Yeah. Um, and for those of us that have had encounters in thick bear areas and in thick vegetation, you're only going to have that happen one time before you start carrying around in the chamber yep. as well. So exactly. I don't want to hear your arguments about that. Um, now, let's get back to the encounter. So the guide turns around, runs past you. How far does he get? And while he's moving, while he's moving, your girlfriend is now the lead person. What does she do when the bear runs okay, she by? She wasn't the lead person. So she'll, so the guide says, oh, f- run. Okay. Mm-hmm. She's a good listener. So what does she do? <laughs> she runs. Okay. She <laughs> runs behind me. So she, she kind of loops down, down the hillside okay. and gets behind me. Perfect. Okay. She actually got tangled up in, and I didn't see this, but according to her recap, she got tangled up in the undergrowth and, and tripped and fell. Oh, okay. Yeah. She's on her stomach. Okay. Bitch. Probably this is the best thing anyways. Was, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> like, get down, cover up, have your backpack as your protection. Yep. 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 I think that's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm glad that happened for her. And she wasn't her. armed either. No. Right. No, she had yeah. she, yeah. she had an ice axe. Right. But yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. So she runs behind me. I'm I'm there. Then the guy comes right by like right by me. It's so thick, like you can pick your way, but you're not you're not bushwhacking, but you have to pick your way through this stuff. Yes. So he just comes tearing tearing down by me. Okay. And then and then I see the bear come out of that undergrowth about four feet, five feet away from me. Okay. Was all. Okay. Um, so as it emerged, you said that you noticed that it was locked onto the guide. I just remember looking at its ears. Its ears were pinned back yep. in that yep. aggressive, just like yep. any dog or yep. any horse or anything growing up around animal. When their ears are pinned back, yep. Hackles like up. they're going. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, this is not bluff. This is not. And and I'm like, I just remember looking into its eyes and it did not see me or notice me or anything. Yep. Okay. And so and that's the moment where just in that split second, I was like, yeah. he is not going to get me. He's going for the guy. Yeah. Okay. And, and that's an amazing. It just initial reaction. I mean, you know, it's something you never know how you're going to react until you're in that situation, mm-hmm. you know, and so many people. And I, and I don't think you can train. I don't like. think you can, like, everybody thinks that, and I'm like, I, I, I think, honestly, it's growing up hunting and yeah. being around animals, all different kind of animals, horses. I grew up on a ranch. You see horses, you see dogs, you see cats, mm-hmm. you see how they react. And it's not because I've done a bunch of research about bear attacks. I hadn't. Yep. But I just was so instinctual of, like, that animal's reaction is this. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's and it's so true of the whole the, the fight, flight, or freeze. You know, and there's that. It's just, yeah. And well done. <laughs> I'll just say that. I yeah, think well some done. of it was freeze. I mean, <laughs> uh, there was some of it for me, but it was definitely freeze. See what's going to like. 
but a lot of it was that kind of protection mentality like i yeah. talked about earlier is like like you said, it, as, it, as a father and I, everything, yeah. I would rather die on this hill than have my girlfriend and my buddy that i brought here that i invited on this trip yep. get harmed or attacked by me. Mm-hmm. so yeah. so in the time that this bear clears the brush and you see it you process all of this how much time goes by until steel makes contact with this bear under a second man like it was it's so bad like under a second like under a second oh absolutely wow. I mean, that bear came yeah. out you know wow three to four yards away like at a full run it's full full mm-hmm. charge like yeah. it's ears pinned back full you know run yeah wow. and and so it was like from here like literally <laughs> had to act like this with my shoulder tucked down ready to take the hit Mm-hmm. to back and through mm-hmm. just as fast as you like and that's the only thing i had there was no other options there was no other thinking yeah. it's yeah. either you're gonna get hit by this bear or if it runs by you it's gonna run by me hit it with the axe that's all you got yeah wow and, and i remember when my wife started first hunting with me and uh and she used to to think i was kind of silly if we started walking through some thicker stuff or you know when we started going into the bear baits you know I, i'm a prior military man so in the military there's a, a system of carrying your rifle called the low, the low ready and if i'm carrying my rifle in i am always at the low ready yep um if we're going into some thick alders or anything like that i've got my pistol in my hand if my rifle's not in my hands already and i remember she looked at me and she's like well, why and i'm like because i might not have time to draw mm-hmm. you know Correct. and some of this thick stuff i mean like you said one second is all you might have yeah you know before that thing's on you yeah and and that's Absolutely. And the crazy thing too is like even if he's in the low red with mm-hmm. the three seventy five. Yeah. And that bears say eight feet away from him on full charge. Yeah. yeah. He, he he's coming no matter what. Yep. It is that shot, yeah. if you don't hit him directly in the head and fully decapacitate like take him out with a just a drop dead shot, yep. mm-hmm. you're gonna hit him in the shoulder so is that bear still gonna get on you? Yeah. I don't know. Like, but I, I feel like even in that situation. That bear could still potentially get on. Other than to me, I'm like, the bullet is not the biggest deterrent in that type of situation. Okay. Sound and the muzzle, like the sound and the the percussion and the air from the muzzle. That yeah. Okay. <laughs> and that's why I say I don't know. Having a suppressed rifle, that is definitely not the best thing hiking through. Right. Yeah. Bear country. And you know, and each bear is kind of its own independent animal too i mean i've mm-hmm. heard stories i was talking to a guy just the other day about a charge incident he had on the yukon and uh you know he put one round in the shoulder area with a 375 ruger and dropped it dropped it in his tracks didn't yeah. move yeah. after that but then you hear other people you know like that a shot to the shoulder with a 375 an ice axe in the neck you know potentially three shots from a revolver and it just you know keeps moving there's been bears that have yeah. been recovered yeah. down in south the southern part of the state that had i think the one that was killed in uh Valdez had 17 rounds in it. Wow. They recovered it. Mm-hmm. The old ones, like they had healed, um, yeah. old shots yeah. that had healed. Yeah. And I mean, these animals are so tough. It's just so tough. <laughs> and so, so to put this in perspective as well, that, that there was another encounter. Um, I know we talked about this previously off, off the air. There was another grizzly encounter in the, in the lower 48. Uh, I believe it was Montana or Wyoming. And this was also an outdoor life article that was covered. And, the, the there was a bow hunter and his buddy and they were charged by a grizzly 
and I, I believe it was a sow with a cub, mm. I believe. And a cub or maybe two cubs, yeah. Yeah, and the hunter uh, had trained a lot with his Glock 10 millimeter, and he, I, if I'm not mistaken, he got at least five rounds into the Grizzly. Seven. Oh, he got seven rounds off. I don't yes, know how many yes, yeah. seven mm-hmm. rounds off. The first two were warning shots, and then when he decided to shoot the bear, he put five into it. Yep. As he was backing up, as he fell, he got his last shot off as he leaned over to shoot past his foot as he was yeah. laying on his back. Oh, I read, yeah. And then his buddy shot it twice from behind him and hit it in the lung area. And when they recovered that bear, Fish and Wildlife discovered that the bear had been gut shot. Mm-hmm. So yeah. somebody had pre, taken like earlier that season. Yes, or something. yes. <laughs> somebody had taken a pot shot at this. And and for our listeners, it's not legal to shoot grizzly bears in the lower forty-eight no. yet. These are protected animals. So somebody took a pot shot at this bear, thinking I'm just going to shoot it in the guts and it's going to run off and this cub is going to die or both cubs are going to die as a result because mm-hmm. mom isn't there to watch over them. But these are incredibly tough, resilient yeah. animals. Right. And so even in this situation up here with your incident, um, th- this bear may or may not have sustained any injuries. And we'll get into that here a little bit later. What I want to circle back to is now that we've kind of covered the initial part of the interaction, let's go back to what happened when the guide was on his back. So you said that the bear caught up to him from behind. And it knocked him over, and then basically, in the guide's words, it, he felt it step on him. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. So ran over him. So the bear ran over him. Um, mm-hmm. Did you did, did, now? And, and I know that you know some of these encounters, you can have spotty memory and visions of it. And I I know that you specifically mentioned that you remember vividly the hair on the bear and its kind of reaction to what just happened as it was basically standing a foot away, uh, crouching over him, just about to get on him when that first shot went off. So the bear hits him. Do you remember watching the bear actually make contact initially, or did you turn and see after that happened? I turned to see the guide on the ground kind of rolling down the mountain, and the bear just barely passing. Okay. How steep was the terrain? That's what I saw. During yeah. this encounter, uh, this ridge that comes down to the to the ridge line, we we're top, you know the slope mm-hmm. up to the ridge line we were hiking on. I mean, it, it it's not crazy, incredibly steep. Um, so if you I lost your footing, it wasn't like a a crazy no, roll. No, down no, no, no. It was yeah. just a, it was probably a thirty yard hit that then flattened out okay, and yeah. steep down into. So it wasn't anything crazy. Okay, so so you look back, the bear. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I'm I'm sorry, not the bear. The guide is now rolling back over, rifle in hand, round in the chamber, and the bear is coming over to stand over him. And then you said that the bear is about a foot away, standing yeah. up. And so when you say crouching over him, I, I, I want to clarify, is he on his hind legs, kind of standing over him about to pounce down on him, or is he on all fours still? Sure. What, what I remember, and... and, and... I want to give the guide a lot of credit because <laughs> oh, absolutely! to just get ran over and feel that bear run over the top of you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then for him to still maintain control of his rifle, uh-huh. yeah. where then now he's on his back, head up, up the hill, laying on his back. And that bear is now facing him for him to be able to, to grab that rifle 
because again, in my mind, that bear is about 10 feet away and is coming at him hard again. Mm-hmm. And it goes from a, you know, a charge or run to then getting up off of its front legs to pounce on him, to wow. get on him. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it was up well, on I his, saw. And so in my mind, legs. I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to witness a mulling right here. Wow. Yeah. Like that was my thought in my mind. And then when he got that shot off, I don't know how he got it off. Like it, it was really incredible that he was able to just get that gun from his, laying on his back, pointed in the air, and just he yeah. had the the foresight and the wherewithal to just say, "I need to get a shot off." Like okay. that's all he could do in that moment was, right. "I just got to get a shot." Off. Right. So, I got it off in a safe direction, pointed up in the air. So I know we saved his life. In, in my yeah. opinion, oh, like, yeah. he saved his life with that yep. shot. It was. Yep. And I, I and I just because. Oh, because to me i'm sitting there in just processing my mind i don't have an axe anymore mm-hmm. it's in the bear's head my gun's still strapped to my backpack i i don't have anything else and so my next thought was like if this bear is mauling the guy down there he's 15 yards away from me down the hill yeah you know that story of the wrestlers yeah in yep. montana yeah. as well yep. Yep. It, it's like my instinct was okay i gotta go just form tackle this bear <laughs> Yeah, mm-hmm. put my shoulder run downhill as fast as I can and put all 280 pounds Fall back on my shoulder right in his shoulder and try to save him. I'm probably going to get mauled and pilled and hurt really bad too. But yeah. fall back on that football training. Yeah. <laughs> so we've kind of covered like the time it took from the initial, the initial encounter to you axing this bear. But like, how long would you say the entire encounter lasted? I mean, are we talking 10 seconds? Or are we talking? I mean. It's funny because you read that Outdoor Life article and, and they talk about the timing and how people's perspective is skewed and mm-hmm. it's a lot closer than people remember. But as I sit back and think, you know, it felt like it lasted oh, 45 yeah. seconds. But all said and done, it was probably between 15 and 20 seconds yeah. before when we heard the bear and the guide said, oh, f- run. Uh-huh. And when that bear ran off and the ice axe fell on his head, probably 15 to 20 seconds. Okay. Wow. Okay. That's and incredible. So, that. Yeah. And so while while the guide is on his back, he gets that first shot off, knowing yep. that this bear is about to drop onto him. I know yep. that I, I'm I'm sure in an ideal world he would have probably rather pointed the gun directly at the bear as it was dropping <laughs> yeah. onto him. But in the event it was standing that close, if he doesn't just get around off and try to just startle this brown bear and stop it. Just divert its attention just long enough. Buy him some time. That's all we're trying to do there. So he got that first round off, and you said that the bear had a very unique reaction to the sound and the muzzle blast. It kind of staggers back a little bit, would you say? Or what happens directly after that first rifle shot? Circling back, I love what you said. Buy yourself some time because, like we've talked about, you you get the people on social media that have never been in a situation like this, that haven't that that want to be critics and and offer their advice and that guy he bought himself some time and if he hadn't done that at the very beginning this could have ended so many different ways so he definitely bought himself some time with the first his first reaction Mm -hmm. the second yes getting that shot off he had no time to point that gun at the bear yeah he did everything he could in a split second to get that shot off in the air and and buy himself some time and that's why he even said it like i have a fully ported muzzle brake on my rifle we talked about that yeah because yep. the loudest sound and it gives the most percussion 
Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. the, the gas blowing out of the, the muzzle of the rifle as well. So, yeah. yeah, without him doing that, that bought him enough time, which typically that should make a bear run off. Mm-hmm. You know, what yeah. you think, like, okay, you just a foot away took the full brunt force of a 375 H&H <laughs> muzzle blast at the phrase. And I distinctly remember, I saw the fur off that yeah. thing's head kind of oh, whistle. Yeah. Like it was a 40 mile and a 50 mile an hour wind. Yeah. And and he retreated back to where he was. Uh, and then for him to come a third time, yeah. I mean, just, yeah. I, I don't know why this bear was so aggressive. It's, yeah. it's, well, it's truly mind boggling. And, and you know, another aspect of this story that, you know, you guys are very fortunate on is that, uh, I believe there was a study that came out that said 25% of bear encounters actually result in a person getting shot mm-hmm. during the defense. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that's, that's a pretty scary, yeah. scary number. 25%. That's, that's pretty high. I mean, but uh, I mean, you know, you're, you're, you're a foot you're, away from getting charged that guide. If that rifle's pointed yeah. up the hill at me and my girlfriend, yep. a little to the side to my buddy, Matt, Yep. He just fires off around and hits one of us. Oh, yep. That's yep. worse than getting attacked by it, right? Exactly. Like, so <laughs> so. For him to just have the wherewithal and the thought, like, yeah. I was super proud. I left that, like, dude, you're a badass. Like, yeah, that, right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> for you to get trampled by a bear yeah, and, and be able to get that rifle up mm-hmm. and um, shoot that shot off. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. the chamber one, the second time, chamber yeah. another one, was able to point and aim. I mean, that probably was two or three seconds. That bear backs off, shakes his head, comes again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To be able to shoot again, I mean, he got two rounds off in five five seconds, four or five seconds. Okay, yeah, perfect. I I, I was just going to clarify the timeline of from first rifle shot to second rifle shot, and ha- so how far would you say that the bear backed up from shot number ten one? Ten feet is what okay. it felt like to me. Okay, ten feet. Yeah. Like it... that, that's kind of after it hit him, went down to that flat spot, got its footing, circled back, mm-hmm. or just just looked back. I think it was about ten feet. Okay. Away from where the guy okay. So, so just for my personal curiosity's sake, and, and th- this is something that I really try to pay attention to, and, and and I know that these guys do as well. When you're bear hunting, whether it's at a bear bait or in uh, a spot and stalk situation in the wild, in an uncontrolled environment, I like to know different sounds that bears make. Okay, mm-hmm. and that and, and th- this is kind of a side tangent, but it has a lot to do with it. And I I really want to ask you. Do you rec- do you have any vivid memories, or do, do you recall what sounds, or was this bear talking, Absolutely. if you will? Was it doing the classic after the first there was, shot? There was no clunking, nothing like that that no, I heard. Nothing like that, okay. But, but when the guide, tur- like I heard the guide just, off run, turns around, and then then I heard the bear. Okay, mm-hmm. and and from the videos you see of two boars fighting, mm-hmm. or or a sow protecting her cubs from a boar yeah. that's coming in, mm-hmm. that's exactly what it sounded like. It's that very it's that, breathy, that growling deep, roar. Yeah, just it was a bone chilling, just deep, low roar. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, so there was no bluff, tra- like yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. the thing that's kind of mind boggling. Right? There was yeah. no bluff. There was no. It was yeah. He spooked that bear or came upon him. He might have had a deer kill. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Or if it was just bedded there asleep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He felt threatened and just chose violently on the charge. Yep. Okay. So, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no. So, uh, we've kind of covered the rifle shots now, and we're kind of approaching the end of that particular part of the story. I want to kind of back up. So, your friend 
who was 20 yards back at the beginning of this encounter has a 357 Magnum revolver, correct? Okay. So what part of this story do we see him draw that gun and shoot? How many times does he shoot? What are his takes on this event? What does he see? At what points does he shoot? So, so again, he's far enough back from us and doesn't have the visual. So when that bear comes through and the guide runs past me, I hit it with the ice axe, the bear runs over me. He doesn't see any of that. What he sees is the bear come out to that flat spot down the hill and turn around and face the guy. At that point is when he shot mm. twice. He estimates it at 20 yards, but was shooting through some some brush yeah. trees mm-hmm. as well. So didn't have a great visual on the bear. But again, those bangs, yeah, uh, you know. So then the then the bear charges the guy. The guy gets the shot off in the air. The bear retreats, mm-hmm. comes back that second time. He gets two more off. Okay. In that seat, and he's still behind this whole situation. He's he's so yeah. If the say the ridge is running east to west. Mm-hmm. The bear's to the south, so he's west, looking at the bear almost on its level. You know, so okay. I think okay. he was firing those shots pretty safely yeah. to where yeah, Mel were straight north east of him and the guide straight east of him and the bear was southeast of him. Okay, yeah. Him. Kind of like a like a chevron shape almost. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. And so then as that bear retreated after the second shot where the guy point names and, and loops up the hill, Matt was able to come up and was was more by me okay, yeah. at that point. And the bear, you know, 30, 40 yards away. It felt like he was a mile. I was like, okay, he's, he's back there. I wasn't. I had to nerve like, oh, Now we're not within 10, 12 feet of each other. He's yeah. 30 yards out there, which right. no. still to be that close to a, a brown bear, but that felt like. And and when he was coming back at you guys, was was he locking eyes with you at this point? Is that? Yeah, I, he was I remember definitely right. looking yeah. to focus more on us and not the guy that was you know, yeah. 10 to 15 yards below us. And he he gave up on him. Me. Mel was standing at this point. Mm-hmm. Matt had come up, and again, he yeah. was looking at all three of us making big noise yeah if it had been only me there he may have come a fourth and fifth i don't know but to see us all there then because he was definitely i like i i'm locked on him and i'm watching his behavior (laughs) he's coming and retreating and coming two steps and retreating two steps like he did this two or three times and then he's like okay i'm out and for for people that haven't been in that kind of situation i mean describe what it's like like just looking into a, a creature of that magnitude like when he's doing that i mean what's i mean <laughs> I, I mean i was so relieved when he was that far away from us yeah and I, and I feel like that's where people's comments are valid of like don't turn and run like okay mm-hmm. he's 30 40 yards away i can clearly see him he can clearly see right. me right. i'm not running yeah like at that distance there's no way i'm running because i know that'll provoke a, a, a charge and he'll follow through like yep. i get and understand all that but so at that point we're just standing and seeing the, the bigger thing that just is when he was five feet away and yeah. that brush and you see that just look of rough. I've since watched some, like I said, a uh, uh, social media post of a, of a, of a sow defending off a male from her mm-hmm. cubs. And just to hear that sound again. So yeah, it's a little trigger <laughs> yeah. for sure. For sure. <laughs> yeah. like, I'll bet. <laughs> That's a, I'll yeah. bet. <laughs> Wow. Uh, part of a funny story well <laughs> so we get up the next morning and we hike up to the top of this mountain we're, we're camped we're, we're above tree line we're so we're we're up in the muskag or uh, sorry above in the tundra 
and we're camped and it's about 7 30 and so you get pounded up there you're like oh what do we do well, let's just go to bed mm-hmm. <laughs> so me and matt are in my you know in my hilleberg 3g nalo uh, tent so there's plenty of room in there so I, I can't sleep much i'm playing a card game he just passes out he he falls asleep probably about 30. <laughs> and then i'm there wide awake playing a card game on my phone and all of a sudden, he just goes <gasps> and sits straight up. Yep. <laughs> and I'm like, what? What? Did, like, did something put you inside? <laughs> and he's like, nightmare, nightmare. Like, what? Yeah. What? He's like, we're getting charged by a brown bear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Wow. Oh, man. And so he, he stays up. I fall asleep probably an hour later. And I don't consider myself a big snore, but yeah, yeah. I can snore a little bit, especially when you're that tired. And he's like, I slept none that night because you sound exactly like a Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow and I'm like, so well, heightened senses yeah and, and that brings kind of i mean tell us about like the aftermath of this i mean when you guys are sitting real, there real in quick actually uh question oh, sure. i mean yeah go for it the part that's the most intriguing to me about this whole story is the ice axe i think mm-hmm. we've talked a lot about the gunshots <laughs> and stuff but I, w- I was thinking about when you're talking about where maybe you hit it, hit the bear. Um, in the Outdoor Life article, I believe it said it was like you thought it maybe went right in behind the ear. Right behind its left. Like if, yeah, it's right there if you're looking face onto it. Mm. Okay, okay. So, right. I, I mean, just from, I've cut up a lot of bears and, and, and cleaned a lot of skulls. My dad's a taxidermist and I've killed my share too. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, my thought with that is, I mean, that you've got the... Uh, got where the jaw connects in the bottom of the skull mm-hmm. and then right up above that if we're talking about the left side of the skull you've got that um where that muscle is for the jaw there's like a, a guard bone that comes mm-hmm. around on the skull yeah mm-hmm. my yeah. thought would be that that ice axe probably went right in down there by his jaw what, what do you yeah. think i mean with where his ear could it, is could have been I, I i've never i've never caped or skinned a brown bear mm-hmm. I, i've yeah. done three black bears so i'm not as familiar they're the know. same but bigger yeah, yeah, sure. And so I, I don't know if it was further back from then, because you think about it, it was charging coming at me, right? Swinging. Mm-hmm. So that axe is going to be angled back, back a little bit towards its rear, yeah. so it's not going to be coming down. So probably its, back its into that space or okay. Okay. Like, yeah, like it's charging at you, and you're swinging at, at a forty-five degree angle from you to the bear. Mm-hmm. It's got to hit it and be angled more. You know, towards its shoulder okay, area, okay. more so. But okay, That's I don't know. I when I turned and saw the saw the, the, the ice axe, <laughs> definitely vertical. Like so, the uh, what do they call the shovel part of the axe? Like it's more. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah, it's not yeah, the pit. Yeah. It's the mm-hmm. like that was vertical. Yeah, okay, like, sticking yeah. out of out of him. Yeah, um, it, it wasn't angled the side either way. So like I yeah. felt like it was a pretty solid, straight down hit yeah. on him. Okay. So could have been for sure. So one more question I have, but before we kind of want to move on to the next part of our discussion here is through this entire encounter, there were five gunshots fired. Four of them were intended on hitting this bear. One of them, we know the rifle was pointed straight up in the air. We know that one was not intended to hit the bear. We talked about that. Let's talk about the bear's reactions to the other gunshots. Did it ever, well, number one, did you ever see any blood? Do you, do you ever remember seeing any kind of a visible impact of a bullet you remember remember hearing a bullet hit it kind of that whop sound that you get on an animal or did it ever act injured at all and 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 when it left did it seem like it was limping at all or Mm -hmm. act injured at all like that 
did its behaviors change when it left, or was it still very much full of energy and then just left of its own accord? Labored breathing. Yeah. Sure. From, from my perspective and from what I saw, I didn't believe that bear was hit at all. Okay. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. And so I know, like, the, the shot in the air, again, when the guy shot that second shot off, I thought that he, it was a warning shot. So from my perspective, I'm sitting there thinking, I, I'm looking at the bear. I didn't see for a ruffle. I didn't see it change yeah. direction or mm-hmm. act hurt or hunch or anything. I didn't hear like the thud you typically hear. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're you're ten feet away, so I don't know if you'd hear that thud. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. Close. right. But well, it, that that second shot definitely made the bear retreat up the ridge mm-hmm. and yeah. come back. But then even as it circled down, I'm watching it the entire time and it comes about up the hill, even with me and it wasn't laboring. It wasn't. Mm. And there's not many bears that could take a hit from a 375. At I was feet. just going to go and over yeah, that. Just you like, know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've shot a good number of bears, both black and brown with a 375, either a Ruger and an H and H. And I've got videos to back my story up here. I've never seen any bear hit with a 375, let alone from 15 feet, yeah. that don't react to it in some way or another. Even a gut shot bear hit with a 375, man, it changes his attitude real fast. That's a lot of energy. We're talking oh, about sure. north Huge of 4,000. Yeah. <laughs> I believe we're yeah. talking about it, north of 4,000 foot pounds of energy sometimes on north impact. Of 4,500. So. Yeah. For our listeners, if that second round from the rifle, which would have been the one to do it, mm-hmm. that 357, you know, may or may not have had visible impact on the bear. It may or may not have had any effect at all, even if they were good direct hits. And also that that would depend on what kind of bullets and, you know, and we don't need sure. to get into that and kind of mm-hmm. criticize that. It was good that he had a handgun. It was better than a rock. Um, yep. <laughs> obviously not better than an ice axe, yeah. but, <laughs> um, but for the guide situation here, that second shot he did now, he was just pointing the rifle at the bear. We're not talking mm-hmm. about an aimed shot. He wasn't looking through the scope. No, none of that. Not looking through the scope. It was just a. On that second shot, like... was he still on his back, or did he kind of sit up and shoot that second one? I can't say specifically, and, yeah. and we didn't even talk about that. I, yeah. I just know he was still on his backside. So whether he was yeah. leaning up or still yeah. laying on his mm-hmm. backpack, yeah. type yep. thing, propping him up, still not an I'm aim not shot sure. though. But from my perspective, I thought that second shot was still like a warning shot. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And that's why when that bear looped around, I'm screaming at him, like, yeah. "Kill it!" That, yeah. that was my word screaming to him. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, "Kill it! Shoot it!" Because I didn't think he'd shot. Okay. Okay. I thought those were warning shots, and I'm like, I don't know what you're thinking. Like, if you don't want to kill a bear to deal with the repercussions of Mm -hmm. DNR or whatever, but I'm like, don't kill that thing. (laughs) I'll handle all the interview. I'll do anything you need. Like, let's kill that thing. I don't. Like, if anything is justified, this is just right. 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 Exactly. And and, you know, and that brings up a good point of like a lot of people when you you see these internet warriors talking about or keyboard warriors i should say talking about bear defense situations and it's all about oh well you just you don't need a 375 or a 416 just just hit them in the right spot and they'll stop and it's like that is that is not always an option that is just (laughs) not true like in in that close of quarters yeah like like literally we're talking eight to ten feet when we first realized that bear was there yeah i don't know what kind of training or what kind of tool or gun or anything yeah and, and that's kind of why we've talked about this a little bit beforehand, but 
and I mentioned it in the Outdoor Life article, and it, and it could be really silly and stupid, and I don't know, but this is the way my brain works and seeing that is if it's going to happen that fast to protect my safety, give me a foghorn in my hand and I'm going to hit that <laughs> loudest noise and some, and a little bit of blast of air. Yeah. And the way I saw that bear react, mm-hmm. that's what I saw. Yeah. And that's just, I would have never said that yeah. beforehand or mm-hmm. what you read about or just kind of in a, in a discussion. But after yep. seeing that and being in that close corner, I can press a button on a foghorn and I can carry that in any type of terrain and have that yep. easily accessible to me. Yeah. And I can deploy that in a second or two and it doesn't matter where I hit. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what like and right. there's no risk right. of shooting somebody else. Yep. And it at least gets that bear. Yeah, to get my man, that makes and, a lot of sense. But how do you test that? How do you yeah. prove that? Or I'm well, like, but that's and, the way my brain works. And, and I'll I'll just say here, I don't know if you watch it, but I watch um the show called Alone. Um and it's on <laughs> and it's just these 10 people and they get 10 items and they have to survive for as long as they can. And uh, the first several seasons were on Vancouver Island. They've done a couple of different lakes in Canada and whatnot. And, uh, there's one where super high grizzly population, super high black bear populations. And actually that is what they, one of the things they give participants. Really? I think they have a, a can of bear spray because you're not allowed to bring a firearm. Cause, sure. um, and so they'll have their bows and whatnot, but they have, uh, you know, the, these air horns and these, this yeah. bear spray and they utilize the air horns quite a bit i mean yeah. there's video of these because it's all self-filmed and you know there'll, there'll be black bears kind of getting around their shelters and moving around and then um this last season they were out on uh i forget the name of the lake but it was heavy grizzly population yeah um several grizzly encounters that luckily nobody got harmed and, and that air horn worked phenomenal honestly yeah. i mean they so it, Man, it just makes it, a lot of sense. Like yeah. after going through that and witnessing it and seeing it and the close and the time to your action and everything, you know, yep. people say, you know, a 10 millimeter and like there's the old debate. People have done a ton of tests and articles about, you know, 10 millimeter semi-automatic versus a revolver yeah. and the reliability and it's self-defense, you know, against human people and self-defense against bears and everything. And I'm like bear spray versus handgun and read it, a lot of it. And I, Man, I'm just like, that makes a lot of damn sense. Yeah. <laughs> With the angry, well, angry bear and that cubs and stuff. Because people spray it. Like, even that article you read about that, that bear spray, yeah. when the guy yeah. shoots seven rounds off, what happened? To that? that bear spray sprayed it, came back and hit him. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Because the wind was in the yeah. wrong right. yep. And now he's just a spicy meal for that, for that bear. <laughs> and, and, and I've heard stories of guys fishing, and they say, too, don't retreat. They're sitting on a log. There's mm-hmm. bears that come in, and they've learned. Hey, let's bluff charge these guys. They're going to retreat, and then we can eat their fish. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so the guys are sitting there, and the guys like, "Don't run, don't retreat, don't spray, don't do anything." Bear gets to two feet. He's like, "Okay, hit it with the spray." And the guy unleashes a spray, just sprays the at the bear, and the wind was touching the wrong direction. Came and just hit all four of them sitting on the log. Didn't even touch the bear. <laughs> just like, oh my god! <laughs> so, oh, that would be horrible. I, I don't know. <laughs> but like, what's the risk if that bear gets three or four feet? Hit it with the fog. What's that thing gonna do? Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And it doesn't matter which way the it's, wind's going. <laughs> exactly. Right. It doesn't matter which way the wind is going. It's and, not dangerous you know, to anybody. Like I don't know. And there's so, nothing wrong with carrying more than one method of absolutely. Bear I was gonna yeah. say that. So a fog. Like, give me a Glock 10 on my chest and a fog horn in my left hand and yeah. an ice axe in my right arm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There you go. There you go. 
But something like a foghorn would be relatively easy to carry. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and, and for those, you know, we see a lot in the industry right now, the whole bino harness world. Mm-hmm. There uh-huh. are a lot of attachment systems yep. to have either a handgun holster under your bino harness yep. or a bear spray yep. holder under your bino harness. And a lot of those, it. a lot of those underneath are meant to to be designed like that so that you can deploy that bear spray from your chest yes. so that in the event you don't have right. time to draw and un, un, and undo that elastic retaining system there, mm-hmm. you can just release your safety clip and fire it right from your chest right there. Yep. So the same concept could be applied to your foghorn as well. Now, obviously, you would really want to make sure that you're not going to beep that baby off when you're on the stalk of an animal that you're yeah. trying to hunt. But you know, if you had if you had some way to uh, to to not uh, uh, some way to protect some that, kind of quick safety mechanism yeah. from going off prematurely, but also be able to deploy it right from your chest. And the nice part about a foghorn is you're not going to get a mixture of cayenne and acid <laughs> blowing back in your face right if in. there's a wind in your face. Yeah. You yeah. know, yeah. and you can also have a handgun. You know. Right. And that's so. easy enough to have the foghorn even on your belt and then a handgun on your chest, whichever one you prefer. But you can have two methods that don't require two hands. And that's yep. something else that I think we should visit as well. A lot of people, when they're in a bear encounter, and I, I know that we keep referencing this, uh, this lower 48 encounter with the Glock 10 millimeter and this grizzly bear, the sow with the cubs that, that charged, that was prima, that, that was pre-wounded we'll just say Mm -hmm. shot in the guts um in that situation the hunter says in his in his interview he says that it was instinctual and that in the encounter he didn't even remember drawing his handgun okay he had it in his right hand and the first thing he that he remembers in the encounter was the bear was coming out and the next thing i realized is my bow is now in my left hand and my handgun is in my right Mm -hmm. Now, number one, that man has trained a whole lot. And I, right. I, I read that article. That <laughs> exactly guy right. practices drawing in a mirror, just like well, I he practice. Even said that, right? Just yeah. like, he even said he's like, just he's like spent I, months practicing. Yes, yes. And, and, and just like I practice with my everyday carry handgun, you yeah. know, against two legged predators, I do the exact same thing with my Glock 19. But this guy was doing that exact same type of training and that hardcore focused. And now to be clear, there have been a lot of bear problems down in the Yellowstone area. Yeah. So this guy knew that he was going into a heavy bear area. He knew that he was carrying this gun specifically for that purpose. And so he was training for that. Now, back to what you were saying, not saying that you would have had time to deploy something like that, but having at least one way of bear defense that can be operated with one hand. Because mm-hmm. in the event that you're on the mountain, let's say that you have an ice axe, okay? Usually, you're going to be able to operate that with one hand, and then your other hand is going to be used to grab onto roots as you're, make your, as, as you're making your ascent, okay? Very rarely are you going to have both hands on your ice axe, and just that is your only means of support going up the mountain. If it comes out, yep. Right. So you're going to have your other hand free, whether it's your left or your right, or you have trekking poles. Or you're stacking firewood in your at, at at your camp, or you're doing camp chores. Generally speaking, people use their non-dominant hand to hold an object, 
it, that, that's just how, I mean, that, that's how I operate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If I'm carrying a load of firewood into camp down in, you know, spring bear guiding, and I'm wearing a handgun, I have the conscious thought, I'm going to carry the firewood in my left arm so that my right hand is free and I've got my, you know, my revolver. I personally, I have a 44 Magnum. I, I, I practice a decent amount with that. And we're not going to get off into the debate about which type of handgun is the best option. I think that's highly personal and very regional. Yeah. So anyway, without getting off into that, having having an, a, a, a bear defense system that is operated by one hand is something to be said. Because Absolutely. if you were to be in like a camp situation mm-hmm. where you're just walking around and it, even even when you least suspect it, something could step out and you have under five seconds to make yeah. a decision and get your first shot off, you need to be comfortable either deploying your bear spray or, let's say, a foghorn or a handgun and be able to do it with one hand. So that mm-hmm. means that if you have a holster system, be able to run it with one hand. If you have a bear spray or a foghorn underneath your bino harness, don't have it so well strapped in there that it doesn't fall out that you can't get it free really, really quickly with one hand. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and that brings up a good point where a lot of people, you know, I, I, that I've seen, even with bear spray and everything, mm-hmm. even recreationally going yeah. out in the woods or yeah. on scouting trips, and they'll have these bear defense mechanisms and they're strapped in the water bottle holder yeah. in their backpack. Yeah, <laughs> like, 100%. Yeah. yeah. You know, and so it yeah. doesn't do you a whole I mean, lot of that, good. that's the thing. I, I've gotten a lot of criticism for having my rifle on my backpack and I'm like, <laughs> in it, that it, situation of where I was in the clothes, like, if I'll, that thing was on my shoulder or my backpack, yeah, I would yeah, say that's really a, and, and putting and, it on your backpack is a pretty standard practice, yeah. especially but, in that terrain. So, yeah. so where it did matter, and as you're talking, I'm sitting here thinking, and it, and it's burned some of uh, some of the thoughts I haven't had. But in that situation, to deploy a foghorn as that bear was coming and the guys running past me, mm-hmm. a thousand percent, the number one thing was would be to deploy a foghorn or a bear spray. Mm-hmm. Not even a pistol at that close. Pers- yeah, like, yeah. Now I'm shooting at a moving target. It's running right by me. Other people around me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd rather hit a fog. Now as that bear is 15 feet down by me and he's interacting with the guide. Yes. Now I can draw my right. pistol. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That, that, exactly. That's what I was going to say. That's all better than the rifle in my hand. Yeah. In my yeah. opinion. <laughs> it, it, it is. It is. Honestly. Yeah. 100%. When you dip, when you hit that foghorn, even if you're alone or you know it's only a couple people and you're right on top of each other, if you have that foghorn to hit, that'll at least slow the bear down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If nothing else, it'll make him stop, right. give you time you to time. draw a handgun. Yeah. yeah. Or or, fi- or or have a couple more seconds to think through scenarios and what you can do. And yeah. in an encounter yourself. that lasted 15 seconds, two seconds is an astronomical amount. It of is. Time. Oh yeah. That 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 means the difference between somebody going out on a life flight or not. Mm-hmm. Right. No, a hundred percent. And so I, I think you guys are all spot on. I, I, you know, you can sit and talk about the stuff and, and learn. And I, and that's that's my biggest learning from it is yeah. yeah have, have have a foghorn readily available. Have a Glock ten, my choice. Yeah. <laughs> because and I, I don't even think it's so much the 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 choice of caliber as it is the amount of bang. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it all yeah. comes down to like, what you're it, comfortable to my, with. Uh, my, my point, like people get wrapped up around, are you are you trying to kill the bear? Like, what's the best choice to kill the mm-hmm. bear? And I'm like, I, I'm trying to buy myself time and get mm-hmm. the bear to not get on top of me. I'm not trying yeah. to kill it. Say. Right, right, right. You will. I, if you I just I to, want but... it to get it to run off and leave me alone. Yeah. And so yeah. the amount of bangs, and if if you do hit it, 
you know, like even that guy, it, it, it still ran off 50 yeah. feet and then died. Mm-hmm. You get a really angry bear that's full of adrenaline stuff. You could hit it three or four times with great mm-hmm. vital hits. It's still going to get on you. Yeah, it's still going to do some damage. Before I, it there's a wonderful saying that's a lot of people have been killed by dead bears. Yeah. Yep. And, and and that's just exactly it. They could yep. be dead already. They just don't know it. So, yep. <laughs> you know. And... I have watched a whole lot of brown bears get shot in, in, in guiding situations. And we're not hunting with 10 millimeters. We're talking nah. about clients that are shooting these brown bears with 338 wind mags, 375s of all kinds of variations, and even one with a 416. Rarely are these one-shot kills, okay? Yeah. Rarely. Nine times out of ten, first shot goes off and that bear just erupts. All of a sudden, there's all this adrenaline. He's mad. He's mm-hmm. looking for what's going on. Oftentimes, well, not oftentimes, every time, we're under 100 yards. These are not long-range oh, yeah. situations. Yeah. These are up close. You want that bear to feel the entire force of whatever rifle you chose. We're talking, again, 4,000, sometimes north of 5,000 foot-pounds of energy that we're dumping through these bears. And they're still requiring hit after hit after hit. I've got news for you. You're not stopping a brown bear with a 44 Magnum revolver. You're just not. The only thing that you're going to be able to do with a handgun is deter it and buy you a little bit of time. All you're trying to do is just make it stop and adjust his thought process. Oh, man, ouch. That hurt a little bit. To me, and to me, how you're buying that time and and deterring its thought process, it's the sound. It's the sound of the handgun. It's not the bullet hitting you. Right, right. That sound and that percussion, to me, after seeing it, I'm like, you know, each situation could be different. Yes. And so yeah. take that into consideration. And, but and, to me, it's the and, bang of the handgun that's the biggest deterrent, not yeah. the bullet hit. Yeah. Bear. Yep. Exactly. And for those that don't understand how much abuse these bears take, go look up a YouTube National Geographic video of brown bears fighting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's like what he was talking Unreal. about. Yeah. It, it is vicious. And <laughs> if you go look at that, all of a sudden, a 180-grain, 10-millimeter <laughs> bullet seems pretty ineffective. You look down at and, your and, revolver. And, 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 it's just, and it's just like you said. You're trying to divert it with the sound. There's a little bit of pain and shock value with a handgun hitting it. But also, now it's rethinking the entire situation. Whoa, what's that noise? What's that feeling? And why is this guy yelling at me? You know. Yep. And so it's just making it stop. And again, it's back to that whole thing. It's buying you time. And just making the bear rethink his situation. And every bear is individualistic. They like are said. all different. They so all have different personalities. Some of them love to just be cantankerous. Um, the, cantankerous. The, the most, the like most that, that I have been charged in a single instance, I got charged by a black bear sow with three brand new basketball-sized cubs at a bait site. I was by myself. This sow charged me six times mm. in like two minutes. She wouldn't back off. She wouldn't give me time to get out of the brush and back out to the back out to the trailer or back out to the trail that I was using to get in there. She kept moving around and kind of pushing me a little bit. I almost shot that bear about five different times, and I could have. I didn't want to because I knew she had cubs. I'd watched her send him up a tree, but this bear just would not give up. Yeah. And uh, I, I I never fired a warning shot because she was so close in proximity. To me, that had I fired one, I, I I had a bolt action rifle. Had I fired a warning shot and it didn't deter her, and she did decide to follow through with a charge as soon as I fired, 
I wouldn't have had time to work the bolt and get mm-hmm. back on it for a shot to actually hit her. So that's something else that I wanted to kind of cover here. Let's yeah. talk about warning shots. So in your in your situation, obviously the guide fired his shot into the air, but there is a right time and a wrong time for warning shots. Mm-hmm. If like, I don't all, even feel like that was a warning shot. No, oh, that no, was that was all disgusting. he could do to right. Right. that was last course reaction. Like, yeah, get it, yeah. So, so, like I, I like I've seen Stephen Ornella's video of him yep. charging mm-hmm. and, and coming, and they shoot a warning shot, and the bear loops down and stuff. Yep. And and like if that was our situation, yeah, that's a whole different mm-hmm. discussion. Yeah, point. but to how fast and how close this happened, there's no warning shots. There's no right. bluff charges. There was nothing. Exactly. Like, yeah. It was just so exactly. And, and while you're talking, I'm like, I'm glad I had an ice axe. Though the one thing. You know, for listeners and people that ever want to come to hunt in Alaska, <laughs> don't bring trekking poles because I was yeah. a big trekking pole guy and I took trekking poles on my moose on my sheep on. Take a freaking ice axe and use that to help you because if I'd had a trekking pole, I would have broke that thing over that thing's head and it wouldn't have done a thing. Uh, and who knows? I don't, I don't know if, if hitting that ice axe, you're hitting it mm-hmm. in the head, you know, dropped that bear's head enough to where it ran over the guide and, and didn't. Hit the mm. guy and stop on him. Yeah, mm-hmm. there, there you go. There's a good chance that it yeah. had a lot to do with that. You know, if you really like, needed like a good. We, we talked about that. Like, oh man, you hit that thing with the ice axe. That, you know, that that caused the bear to just hit the guy and not stop on him and get him. And then that's why he ran down to the box. Like, so. Yeah. I don't know. I'm a big fan of ice axes you, to use as as hiking aids yeah. versus trekking. You know, if you if you need a good business business venture to get into i mean bear defense ice axes i don't think there's yeah. anything else like that on the market right now so, so. I, we actually talked a lot about that man and, and, and we talked about like you know you I, I don't know i haven't thought it all the way through but like somebody still listen go do it i don't care but um like having a you know when when you hit and it compresses and then you get a, a bang or a so having an ice axe yeah. as multi-function in turn of like an internal foghorn or an internal bullet just or set, like set that. the dial to bear mode and just... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there could be some cool stuff and then i did see a, a company that does have a pretty dynamic ice axe and it's like 400 dollars. you can use it as like a shooting um bipod off of it oh yeah like that but i'm like a bear defense ice axe. We did talk about as we were in the meadow, kind of recapping. I'm like, babe, foghorn was the first thing that came to my mind, and the second thing was a bear defense ice axe. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, just to kind of wrap that up, there, you don't know potentially the full effect that that ice axe had, and mm-hmm. what we said earlier, you didn't actually witness in the moment that bear hitting the guide so you don't know if as you swung and hit that bear you don't know if he kind of turned his head and kept going with his momentum Mm. and as he turned to kind of bite at that because the instant reaction of any shot bear or any wounded bear is to turn and either swat at or bite at whatever they got hit with right? right and so you don't know maybe it very well could be that that bear turned and snarled and tried to bite at whatever just hit him in the neck and that you know then resulted in him hitting the hitting, hitting the guide yeah. and it just knocked him over and then he realized oh yeah i forgot i was going at this guy and yeah. now i'm going to get that, on that's him totally what it seemed like right to, yeah. to right. Me in that and it of, just me. it just distracted mm-hmm. him just long enough to buy that guide a little bit of time to get that shot off and, before it jumped on him well yeah. instead of yeah 
and instead of getting on them immediately with right open jaws. Right. Yeah, right. Right. Like it wasn't a steep enough slope where that bear couldn't have just yeah. tackled that guy yeah. and stopped. Well, that's right what, and that's yeah. what yeah. you And he ran yeah. 10 yards yeah. past him. And so to me, my first thought was like hitting it with that ice axe made its head duck down. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. the impact of it made yeah. it kind of duck down. And There's no and then, way that it didn't notice what happened there. That's right. that. That's my personal opinion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it definitely had something to do with how this played out because nine times out of ten, when a bear in, when a bear makes contact with somebody like that, they're grabbing them and they're yep. biting immediately. Yep. Yep. There's they're no not hesitation. Running over them and running. Yeah, past. yeah. Right. I, I, I these bears. I mean, you watch them chase down a black-tailed deer or a mountain goat. Stop on a dime. Man, when they grab something, it is over. They stop. They don't overrun anything. They're not, you know, they're not running past it and then, oop, yeah. oop, I got to backtrack. Yeah. You know, it's it's not like some cartoon where they just overrun it and then they got to, you know, spin their wheels and go back and backtrack. Yeah, they are on it and they're they're used to being efficient killing predators. This bear, yeah. this bear did not mean to run over the yeah. guide and step on him and then come back for yep. him. Yep, And that bought the guide just enough time to get that yeah. shot off. So you, you saved his life with that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I, that reminds me. So. Of a uh, video I saw years ago, it was a lion uh, attack in Africa, mm-hmm. and I think they, I think it was three seventy fives they had, which is their. Oh, that's, oh, yes. Hey, you remember? I, you remember I, this? I know, yeah. I know the video. And specifically. Uh, they yeah. they were hunting the lion, I believe. Yeah. And um, I think the guide said shoot, and and the guy shot, but he shot at, and the lion started charging, and then the guide fired a shot at the lion, which hit him, knocked the lion off balance, and the lion hit the guide. And knocked the guy to the ground only because the shot that was fired right before mm-hmm. he hit him. Mm-hmm. And he knocked right. the guy to the down the line, jumped off, ran off, and, and they were able to get a few more shots to, into him and, and kill him. But yeah, it was only because of that shot that he wasn't, uh, that guy wasn't yeah. dead. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So let's circle back a little bit to, uh, to your story, your encounter here. And take, sure. take us to that, uh, that, that meadow you guys were sitting in afterwards. I mean, this thing just happened. I mean, you talked about talking to your girlfriend, you know, her going in shock and, you know, kind of walking her through it. And I mean, but what was going on in your head, man? I mean, how, you know, what's... number one thing is like, I, I've read enough of these stories and been in the woods enough where I'm like, these, these bears will circle back. Mm-hmm. And the story that comes to my mind is the guy in Montana too, that got mm-hmm. yep. attacked. Yes. You know, the, the stud older gentleman that hiked two and a half miles and took a, took a Facebook live video with his face yeah. know, hanging off of his is is reading his encounter and he got attacked once the bear retreated he started that, down the trail to get back to his truck and that bear looped back yep. downwind of him and came and hit him again 100 yep. yards from the trail so in my mind that's all I was thinking. yeah I was yep. like this isn't done don't like this bear could loop down either side of this ridge come mm-hmm. either side of yes now are you just so, trying to maintain a calm appearance while this is in your head or oh i mean yeah we stay calm (laughs) yeah like that that's the thing i really respect is myself my buddy matt who's been in the woods a bunch he works for crispy boots okay okay we've we've hunted a ton together Mm -hmm. um and and the guy we were all very calm there was no panic we actually made fun of ourselves because like we we did we're like are we sick enough that we do want to go are, in and are we okay <laughs> we're like we were all curious just like everybody does when yeah. you sit in the comfort of your house reading the story you're hearing about it like well what happened to the bear where is it? is it dead like in that moment we're like 
Yeah. I can't believe that happened. We just escaped. We're so fortunate that not one of us has a scratch or a bruise on us. Yeah. And we're sick enough. We want to go in the head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, find out what happened to the bear. And, so, like, so that that's definitely the hunter in us. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, Sitting there and like, yeah, that's not the best thing to do in this situation. So let's stop and talk about one particular thing that I that I noticed that you said a while ago when, when we were kind of doing the over the overview of the story when we first started, okay? You mentioned you, this was your girlfriend's first hunt, okay? She's not necessarily an experienced outdoors person, okay? That in and of itself puts her out of her element. Then she goes through this bear encounter. Mm-hmm. Now you guys are all sitting around. The guide and your buddy are reloading. You're, you know, looking at your ice axe going, holy smokes, I just survived this. And you mentioned something. You said your girlfriend, you were concerned about her going into shock. So a person does not have to be injured to go into shock for our listeners. Oh, no. And for anyone that's had any kind of medical training at all, and, and at, at one point I was an EMT certified uh, in, in Alaska. I went through all that training. And shock is a huge factor in injuries, but also it, someone that's involved in a traumatic incident, even if they weren't the one that was injured, can also go into shock just from the psychological aspect of witnessing that. And her being a part of that, and then you mentioned that when the guide ran past, she listened, she took off, and then she tripped and fell. So now she's hearing the gunshots go <laughs> off and the yelling and the growling. And so this is all playing through her head, and I, I, I'm sure when she when she tripped in the brush and got tangled up, she freaked. I guarantee that, as oh, anybody yeah. would, because <laughs> now you don't have your visuals. You don't know where yeah. this bear is. Is it going to come on to me next? And so now she's sitting there. Walk us through how you helped her come off the edge of going over into shock. Well, a couple things is that, I think the one of the biggest factors too is hearing all those bangs, both from the rifle and the handgun. I, you know, shooting rifle competitions, being around guns, those bangs don't affect me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But but for her, those were almost in that tight of quarters were almost as big um, <laughs> as a shock factor mm-hmm. as the grizzly for her. Yeah. Because yeah. her, she's like, I don't know if I'm getting shot or where these bullets are going and that yeah. kind of stuff. For me, that that didn't even really register, mm-hmm. which is which is interesting to kind of think about. Yep. When we got back to the meadow, one, I'm I'm trying to get her to talk and interact. Yeah. Like just the look on her face and the body language and everything. Like yeah, she was visibly very very shaken. Just um, trying to get her out of her so, own head. Like basically. I'm like, okay, yeah. like I know that like this is all valid. Your feelings, your fears, your yeah. everything is valid talk to me just tell me yeah. a story about your family tell me a story about your son like i'm trying to get her to just talk to me yep she was, she's kind of sitting there shaking her head like no no like, i i can't yeah. i'm like i just gave her a big hug and i said you know you're, you're safe right now mm-hmm. you know we survived like everything is good yeah um i'm so sorry mm-hmm. but like just talk to me just just yeah kind of verbalize that, that's the only thing i could keeping think her of present was to get her to talk yeah yeah be able to just get her back to yeah. a sense like her yeah. chemical balances and everything that goes oh, yeah, to her brain yeah, the yeah, rush yeah. say okay let's get you back to because we're talking me the guy my my buddy 
we're all talking, we're discussing what to do next. Mm-hmm. She just said, that. I'm like, Hey, talk, like, what do you want to do? What do you feel like? Or yeah. not, let's not even talk about this. Let's talk about something completely different. Something back mm-hmm. home. Yep. Yeah. Yep. 100%. And there was no other, the, 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 really the only thing to, yeah, even, and this is funny. <laughs> so, you know, we see that gigantic, Jurassic Park size bear, (laughs) (laughs) and so we we see that we're like okay let's 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 just do the smart thing here let's get off this mountain so we go back to camp and we pack up and we're heading off and we're trying to make a ton of noise we're whistling you know we have the bear whistle out we're hey bear hey bear and Mm -hmm. I grew up on the cattle ranch so I'm doing the whole cowboy up yeah yeah that's one of my favorites too (laughs) yeah and so. Then I, I just start singing songs. Like yep. I pick country songs and pick some Bon Jovi and I'm just singing <laughs> yeah. these songs as loud. I'm like, we're not hung. We can care less. We're just trying to keep bears away. Yeah. So I'm like, let's sing some songs. Yeah. And, and I think that helped her <laughs> too, mm-hmm. you know, to yeah. say hey, you're calm. You're like, it's, it's fine. I can be a little calm too. And, um, but I don't know the whole hike back to the raft. She just still was in a very much mode like, I want all my senses. I want to be alert. I just mm-hmm. want to be able to hear and see. So I'm not going to make noises. I'm not going to talk. I just want yeah. to be Did she comment after that about feeling a sense of hyper-awareness following that yeah. encounter? Yeah, oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah. For sure. Her senses, uh, her, I think it was mostly sound. I think her sense of sound was the most yeah. aware aspect that yeah. made her. And you know, it. I, I'm not trying. She to... heard that bear. Like, oh yeah, you talked about sound. Yep. Yeah. She was closer than I am when she heard that bear's deep roar. Yeah. But I think that sound is really what's mm-hmm. stuck there. Yeah. People talk a lot nowadays about PTSD and soldiers that have been in combat situations that have gone through traumatic instances like that. Yep. Not that I'm trying to compare this to that, but. Post-traumatic stress disorder can be induced by a car accident. It doesn't have to be yeah. mm-hmm. just by going into battle. And so a, a, a lot of those you know, veterans, uh, that, there's a particular guy that I'm thinking of that if I walk up behind this guy, and it, he, he's, a, he's, a, he's a war veteran, and Mariah knows who I'm talking yep. about. You walk up, if you walk up behind this guy and tap him on the shoulder to shake his hand and say, good morning, how are you doing? I mean, he flips. He just spins mm-hmm. around like he's going to chop your head off. And so that that's it, it it's it's an extension of that obviously, but that hyper awareness that just sticks with you like, oh my, that, this this could happen again any second, and I have to be ready or else I'm gonna yeah. die. And that's that feeling that you go through post encounter in a, in a situation like this. And that that's I'm sure what your uh, what your girlfriend was feeling there. And that sure. that that's a really interesting point to make of the human instinct for survival. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be an experienced hunter to go through something like that, and all of a sudden, you go back to your primal instincts. You could live in New York City your entire life, and you come to Alaska and have one bear encounter, and you're going to feel the exact same thing as any hunter does on a hunt because it induces that, that instinct, that, that base of self-preservation. It, it, high cortisol levels, high stress. I, I, I feel like acute some awareness. of the difference is, you know, we, we've hunted and been in the woods for years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so we have a lot of experiences and stuff to draw from mm-hmm. where nothing like that happened. Yeah. For her right. and where I have a lot of sympathy and empathy for her is that's her first time and that's happened. So she has no other experiences to draw from. Right, yeah. You, you tell her to it's a calm her down and say, oh, that is a once in a million type. Yep. 
yeah. encounter and experience. She she had nothing to draw from. So to her, that's that's hunting. That's a sick <laughs> yeah. Yeah. hunting. <laughs> yep. And to me, like, and me and Matt and the guy, we're like, okay, that's probably never ever gonna happen <laughs> again. And we 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 can get comfortable in that environment because we've been there and and we realize how you know crazy that was. Mm-hmm. But to her, she just that, yeah, that was true. hunting to her. Yeah. How how was so your mindset? And feel safe when that's what you relate hunting to. Yeah. How was your mindset when you guys went back up in those next couple of days? I mean, were you did you notice any change in your yeah. awareness, your yeah. kind of perception yeah. of the uh, Yeah. You? It, not scared or anything, mm-hmm. but just more vigilant with yeah. our sounds. Yeah. Where we were with our firearms, with our whistles. Yeah. You know, like any time we went into thick stuff, we we stayed back. We made a lot of noise. We whistled. We just didn't go hiking into stuff. Um. So so yeah, but but part of me went back to like okay that just so I know I want to continue to do this. I know I don't want to have PTSD. Right. Yeah. It's a mindset. Mm-hmm. So when I'm crawling in that tent, it was just like any other time. I'm not gonna let my mind. Right. Just yeah. be overcome with, like I don't know. It was it's definitely a mind game, but I'm like, no, this I'm calm. I'm yeah. this like the chances of that happening again aren't good. If it does, yeah, this is I don't know. This is yeah. up, but uh, that's the way I'm destined to go. So whatever. <laughs> and it's the classic old example about people that talk about when you fall off a horse, the first thing you do is obviously if you're not hurt, is get back up and get back. Gotta get back on. You gotta you gotta yeah. face those fears. You gotta yeah. do it. Comes back to like what I want, like sports, yep. yeah, and yeah, business and life and failures and everything. It's like it's all related and incorporated. And so, like that lesson of like, I'm not gonna let that experience deter me from going up the next morning. Yeah, yep. like making up at four thirty, and I'm gonna hike up a mountain and fix stuff again. I'm gonna go do this again. Yeah, because I love it and I want my life to be full of that. I want to mm-hmm. do it again. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to live in fear or anything. Yeah. Even if that's not the smartest, I don't know. Like, no, I, I, for, but I'm like, this I, is my life. This I totally I agree with you. I, I totally agree with you. Life is about experiences. And like you said, that is a once in a blue moon thing. Mm-hmm. I've never had an encounter like that where I've had to actually be in contact with a bear that I haven't shot. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I have been charged multiple times. And mm-hmm. like you said, that, 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 just gives you perspective and as long as you learn from that going mm. forward as, as long as you come away from that in a learning state you've come out on top okay you're not dead let's do something better next time let's rehash this just like we're doing on this podcast let's and then let's tell others about it you know because yep. there there are hundreds of thousands of hunters in America that hunt in bear country whether it's in Alaska or Idaho or Montana or Wyoming Okay, there are a lot of places where a hunter can encounter a bear, whether it's grizzly or a black bear. And hearing, okay, I, I, I'm, I'm going to use this old, illust- this old illustration here. There are three types of ways to learn, okay? You can learn from um, written accounts, mm-hmm. like uh, reading historical accounts in books, okay? Mm-hmm. There's book learning. And then there is learning passed on from other folks that you know that have been through situations that you're talking about. And then there's self-experience, okay? Yep. The easiest ways to learn are 
reading and listening <laughs> to friends that have been through it. Yeah. So obviously, if you've personally been through a bear encounter, you have a pretty good chance of getting bit. So you're lucky to have gone through that and mm-hmm. not come out injured on the other side of it. So for our listeners, you know, listen to the details of this. And that's why we've spent the last two hours talking about the details of this encounter and really trying to break that down so that you can learn little things. Okay, that the bear did this, and then the guide did this, and this is how the bear reacted to the shot, and this is what I think about a foghorn, and all these little things that, right. you know, they all matter, and they all come into a micro uh, time sphere. This happened in a very short amount of time, but there are a ton of little details that really, like we said, make the difference between coming out injured or not. Mm-hmm. Well, one thing I want to talk about too, and, and this is in life in general, but more specifically in the hunting community is you get a lot of guys that are so rigid in their thinking. Right. Mm, yes, <laughs> and yep. like, this is the hard and fast rule. You yeah, never yeah. run in the grizzly attack. Everybody knows that it's just going to. Right. And, right. and you never have your rifle strapped to your backpack, like mm-hmm. that are so rigid in those hard and fast rules. And I'm like, yes, th- those are, are generally accepted thought processes. Yeah. Yes. But yeah. in this instance, and in have some flexibility yeah. to learn and to be open. Yeah. That this is that's not if you're so rigid to say this is how you need to react to this circum to this circumstance. That may not be the case. Yeah. Yep. And A- adapt. And just I really appreciated some people's comments of like, hey, what was the end result? Yeah. Yep. Like yep. The end result exactly. is nobody got hurt. Exactly. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. Everybody did re- relied on their instincts mm-hmm. <laughs> to do what they thought was best. That nobody got hurt, which yeah. in mm-hmm. itself is a miracle. In this, like we've talked about, so you know, sometimes yeah, don't run. Yeah. Uh, that that could be the solution. When it's four uh, feet away from you, yeah, maybe yeah, run. <laughs> so there's other things like you got to buy yourself time. <laughs> Yeah. So to say don't run, that guy could have been a hero and just sat there and taken it. And then mm-hmm. he would have got mauled. My girlfriend would have got mauled. I would have got mauled or whatever. Who knows what the outcome would have been. So, yeah, there's just don't be so yeah. rigid in your thinking <laughs> to think that you're right. You're right. Yep. You might be. You might not be. But just be flexible and, and to know there's other other ways other than your Yeah. Own. Yeah. And as far as, be, you know kind of that's considered, you know, being flexible and kind of adjusting to things. Like what kind of adjustments to your setup would you say you've done since this encounter? To, just to kind of prevent or be better prepared next time. Things kind of, are you looking at gear differently? I know you talked about buying a Glock So, so one Glock thing, 20, you know, I'm you know, going to take my suppress. like uh, I will definitely have my suppressor off until mm-hmm. I'm actually hunting. Yeah. That, that is one big thing. Uh, definitely I'm going to, my choice specifically for me will be a, a 10 millimeter Glock mm-hmm. pairing, uh, with a mag extension. I want the most uh, amount of bullets that I, yep. that I can have for the amount of bangs. Um, again, whether it's a different, you know, the gun bearer or sling or something like that, this is one thing where, <laughs> Yeah. This could be a whole nother topic of conversation with caliber selection while you're in Alaska. Oh yeah. Being a precision shooter and not enjoying high recoiling calibers. Mm-hmm. I really like to see the bullet come out of my barrel so that I can see exactly where it hits and make adjustments on my sheep. You know, I was 700 yards away mm-hmm. with 700 yards. We shoot to 1200 yards in this competition. 
and it still plays. So, I, but I was uncomfortable at 700 yards. So I moved into 400. I still missed my first shot, but I was able to see exactly where I missed, make a correction. If I was shooting a big caliber, I wouldn't have been able to see that. I wouldn't yeah. have seen my miss because the recoil took me out. We could do a whole other podcast on it. But oh yeah, so, <laughs> so I was carrying a six-five Creedmoor with okay. me on okay. the on the like for a go. I, I'm 100 percent confident I could have I could have shot and killed mm-hmm. a go from any distance. Oh with yeah, that. yep. With the now you're carrying that in bear country. <laughs> a lot of people criticizing that caliber choice just for self-defense mm-hmm. you know so so again what caliber do you pick and choose while you're going in into brown bear country yeah but one thing for sure take off the suppressor i'm gonna be carrying a foghorn with me and, mm-hmm. I, and i'm gonna find a a, a solution for one hand deployment and yep. i'll have a, a 10 millimeter on me i think those are the three biggest takeaways for me whenever in in brown bear or grizzly country mm-hmm. that yeah. yeah that's a, that's great and that's and that's great learning yeah yeah, yeah. and i mean there's, there's been tons of discussion i mean you see it all over the forums and online facebook groups of you know do you bring a rifle for grizzly and grizzly country or do you bring a pistol you know do you bring the rifle you're going to shoot long range at goats or anything like that you know or do you bring the 375 and it's well you know I- and it's a, a lot of people do tend to say, you know, bring the rifle for your pursuit, for the game you're pursuing. You know, whether you're you plan on shooting 500 plus yards, bring yourself yeah. a long range rifle, but yeah. bring a big pistol for the up close. Right. You so, know, and that's so. That, that I I was going to say one thing after that. A lot of people talk about having a caliber that'll do both. Mm-hmm. Okay. So sure. let's say that we're in brown bear country on a goat hunt. Okay. The ideal caliber for a mountain goat hunt is not a 375. No. Even though you can get a 375 with the right bullet to stretch out to 400 yards, it's still not ideal. It's still going to be a really heavy gun. And at the end of the day, that's going to be a scoped gun no matter what if you're using it Mm -hmm. for your goat hunt. Yeah. A scope does you zero good in a 10 feet encounter. Okay. (laughs) And it comes back to, again, I know we we keep saying this, but buying that time. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, having a handgun that you can deploy quickly shoot just instinctually i mean literally if you practice enough your handgun is an extension of your arm you can just point and shoot and just get rounds down range exactly and and you have that you have that maneuverability in tight you're not dealing with a rifle that you know potentially a 24 inch barrel or more um and, and so that that quick deployment the ability to get multiple rounds off even in a situation where you could bring enough gun to defend yourself against a bear, a rifle isn't still isn't always your best option in a specific situation like yours. Mm-hmm. A rifle would not have been the best option for you mm-hmm. to deal with that bear encounter. There's a classic story uh, from Alaska that we can cover on a different podcast, hopefully, mm-hmm. um, of, uh, a, of a father and son that had a bear encounter the, the the grizzly bear to sum it up the grizzly bear got a hold of the of the man's dad and the son was able to rush up on it and shoot it with a revolver at just about point blank range and kill the bear and take it off of his dad okay that situation it, it just wouldn't have been good to have a rifle there it just wouldn't have been yeah. and he actually left his rifle in choice to keep his handgun in his hand, he left his rifle there to run down and shoot this bear off of his dad. Okay, yeah. 
So just because you have enough gun to deal with a bear, if you have a cross caliber, let's just call it that, a a, a, a one trick pony, even if you brought like a three thirty eight Win Mag mm-hmm. that can do both, and you have that mindset, but you've got a two and a half to eight, or a three to nine, or a three to eighteen power right. scope. I got news at, for you. At, three power at, at 10, 10 feet, you're not going to see anything Thanks through no that glass. Yeah. It, it doesn't matter what kind <laughs> of scope you have fur. on it. You're just yeah. going to be able to. That's the funny thing is after the bear ran off, I had my rifle ready. You know, I'm, you know, I had a five to 25 scope on it. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm taking that thing back to five and I'm practicing and I'm looking. I'm like, even at five uh, power. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm not seeing it. I'm pointing and aiming. Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> well, and, and so at that point, it comes down to rate of fire. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. So anyway, yeah. that's that's all I have on that. Okay. But well, um, do you have anything else you want to say to the people, man? Is that <laughs> anything else from your experience no, you'd like no, to share just, to help? Yeah, I mean, I think that's all of our questions. So, <laughs> no, it's it's good. I want to talk about it. I, I touched on it a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, and how some of the articles and some of the faith, you know, the social media posts. Yeah. You know, the the guide's gotten a lot of criticism for running. Oh, and yeah. I just want to be very, very clear yeah. and reaffirm that that was the best, absolute best thing that that guy mm-hmm. could have done in that instance was to retreat by himself time yep. to yep. be able to defend us as his clients and his hunting partner. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, well I would like to be with him and to have him up there with his experience. Like I appreciate it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like I, I thank him a lot and like just his quick thinking later afterwards to be able to get those shots off, like a lesser skilled person with a 375 wouldn't have been able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And so like he did exactly what he needed to do in that situation to protect himself and us. Yeah. And like, so that, that, that that's the last thing I want to say about it, but I, I am grateful. I, I can't say enough that this could have and, should have ended or could have ended so differently yeah and just to have that experience and come out i I, I will talk about it as much as i can and educate and if anybody has questions reach out and i'm trying to be as open and honest with where i went wrong what i could have done better with what we all could have done better but Mm. you know because uh, there's there's things to be learned from and mm-hmm. you know to do better and, and um, like but, said, a flexible mindset adaptable. yeah have a yeah. flexible mindset and it's yeah. not so real like in general when you're reading hunting and and just the quickness of some people to judge a situation without knowing mm-hmm. the whole story mm-hmm. man don't be that person <laughs> yeah. well yeah, ask questions absolutely. come to a situation and, I, i've gotten way less questions than i have advice and critique well and, yeah. and the and funny like, thing is you, you look at the stats on how many bear attacks there's been and you look at the number of comments and you can tell there's a description <laughs> not right. everybody commenting has been in that situation that you've right. been in <laughs> so. so i'm like if you have an opinion <laughs> approach it with a question and let's have a productive conversation yeah about yeah. it versus saying this is what you should have done and this person shouldn't have a guide license and like you're an idiot for packing your rifle on your backpack like come on have, let's have a and that's what i yep. appreciate about you guys and when you first reached out it was like let, let's have a i'm never gonna judge or critique a situation without knowing all the details and you know and i'll be open and honest and say yeah there's there's things we could have done differently yep for sure and learn from but anyway yeah. but, well, you know, awesome uh, well right on man well we oh you want to say something i, I just with yep. all of that with something 
you know, keyboard warriors. I mean, and we all, I think, have at some point have probably been guilty of that a little bit in some situation ourselves. But uh, I was reading a book series a while ago, and it was um, it was just uh, a uh, I can't remember that what what is what you call it, but it was just a series about it was a fiction series about you know, but like a military situation, and uh, something that kept being repeated in there. It was written by a veteran. Was uh, no plan survives combat but mm. you know mm-hmm. when you're in the woods no yep. plan yep. survives any yep. kind of attack ever that's, that's and you can right and you can plan well if i have this gun i'll be able to do this or if i have you know a foghorn i'll be able to reach it you know you can have all those plans and the best thing you can do is just prepare the best you can mm. yeah but it's all going to come down to the moment yeah. yeah mike tyson said it best i think everybody, <laughs> I everybody has a that. plan until <laughs> they get punched in the mouth yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that's one comment that the only one that's really bothered me is somebody's like Oh, this sounds like a, just a bunch of idiot folk or city idiots that shouldn't bend in the mountain. Mm, yeah, well, and I'm uh, like, man, that that summarizes somebody that yeah uh, has no. I, I was to say context or anything. I'm like, you don't know any one of us or the situation or anything, and for you to no, make that comment, yeah, no. like I, I would almost throw that. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry yeah. that that's. Not, I, I would that's almost. Not, I would almost throw that back at them and say, if they're making that comment, that's kind of what they sound like. But, yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Exactly. I'm like, no, you've never been, honey. You, have you had an, yeah. like, ask some questions, ask some yeah. questions mm-hmm. about like, yeah. why do you think the guide ran? You know, why do you, why did you have your backpack? Mm-hmm. You know, the rifle on your backpack. Like there's reasons to the why of yep. why we made those choices, not just. There was a news reporter one time that, that, that talked about this exact thing, and he said uh, in, in reference to combat situations, and this was after the Middle East and, and, and uh, the, let's just say, subpar technique of some of our special forces, and people were loving to criticize them, and, well, you were being inhumane, and you, and, and this reporter says, these guys made a split-second decision that in the moment of time they thought was best for their safety and the safety of those around themselves. And we have the next six months to hash this out on national television Mm -hmm. and tell them every way that we think we would have done it better from the comfort of your couch at the end of the day, (laughs) at the end of the day. And this is, this is what I want to wrap up with at the end of the day. If you weren't there, you can't defiantly make a steadfast remark because otherwise you sound like an uneducated, inexperienced person. Nope. And so before, like you said, before you go jumping into criticism, ask a question, have an adult conversation about it. And like I said before, learn from it. Pick yep. things right. out of this and adjust your gear kit, adjust your bear defense system, right. rethink everything you do, adjust how much noise you make going through bear country like that. Be more self-aware, but yeah. learn something from it instead of just criticizing and then keeping on scrolling on yep. Facebook. Yeah. Anyway, couldn't have said it better. All right, man. Well, hey, we really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story, and you know, helping us kind of get the word out for other people to learn from from these encounters. Absolutely. And you know, we're happy to and honored, honestly, that to have you on this platform. So, yeah, thanks very much for well, your time. Thank today. you, guys. You're you're a good group of dudes. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It was a pleasure getting to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, let's stay in touch. Okay, yeah, definitely. Yeah, Will if you're do. ever up in Fairbanks, hit us up. So. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Yep. All righty. All right. And so for everybody still listening, um, hang in there next time for next week's episode. We've got a pretty cool uh, announcement coming forward, uh, kind of a hunt we have coming up. So keep an ear out for that. We'll be dropping next Monday. And uh, yeah, hopefully you guys all had a chance to learn and 
and just enjoy this episode as much as we have. So have a good Thanksgiving. Yep. Oh yeah, and happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, that's, that's right. coming up on Thursday. Yeah, happy yeah. Thanksgiving. Yeah. And enjoy your Black Friday for Thanksgiving, break. not in bear country. So uh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, enjoy the beaches. Yeah, we'll be yeah, we'll yeah. be freezing up here. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All, All right. right. See you guys. Right. Yep. Thanks for listening. All right, folks, we all know that one of the most common mishaps in hunting is damage to your rifle scope. Last year, I found the solution to that problem with the Stealthy Hunter rifle cover. It wraps around your scope and actions securely to protect it from getting knocked off of zero or even severely damaged. Stealthy Hunter also has a glassing pad and a wide variety of supplements for the outdoorsman, such as protein powder, CBD products, turmeric, and gut health supplements. They also make a lightweight trauma kit weighing in at just 14 ounces that includes everything you need and nothing you don't for all of your backcountry medical emergencies. To shop all of their equipment and supplements, go to StealthyHunter.com and enter the discount code at checkout, The Northern Hunter, to save on your order today. All Stealthy Hunter equipment is proudly made in the USA.